One in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling. What's up? What's up? Hobby Lobby. What's going on? Dave. I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> I had to weigh in on this. Uh, Jubilee just dropped a video. Uh, black conservatives versus white liberals. Yeah, it's right up my alley. So, I mean, why the hell not? So, that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to watch this video, get my reaction, get my feedback on it, reach out comments, and, you know, see where it goes from there. But I'm excited about it. So, I hope y'all excited about it as well. You know, uh, let's get this thing started. Ooh, ooh. I saw my boy Destiny was on this video, so I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. Let's see what Destiny has to say to the black conservatives. As soon as I get this thing up, let's see. Oh, yeah. Mm. Be the wrong one. Yeah, that's too far. All right. Let's get it. Uh, all right, black conservatives versus white liberals. Let's get it. I was chosen to read the following prompt. White Americans have way more advantages than black Americans. I think I'm a rarity here. It would seem so. Do white Americans have more advantages because they're white, or do just white Americans have advantages because of historic factors? Um, I think that people want to argue at the end of the day over whether it's because you're white or not. I think that the answer is because you're white in the past, and that's how it kind of carries over to today. You know, even in times of the United States history where black people tried to build wealth, you, you know, with uh, the Tulsa riots and everything, yes. where, yeah, they, that this wealth has been destroyed. And something that's upsetting to me is when conservatives talk about how that's, we can't blame the past for what's happening in the present. That is true to some extent. But then in the next breath, they'll talk about how important it is to have dual parent households, how important it, has, it is to have a strong family, to have responsibility passed on from parent to child. And we've seen in the past that because of racial issues, that process has been severely disrupted. The funny thing is, is that agreeing with all these things is when I did my research when I was younger, which arrived me to my standpoint of being a conservative because I believed it was racist, Democrat, liberal ideologies and policies dating all the way back to the 1800s, all the way up to the 1960s, and then you, the purported big switch. But I think it was more so when Democrats decided to be a bit more cloak and dagger about their true opinions of black people and be more uh, secretive and more, oh, we want to help. That is a running theme amongst like uh, black conservatives, right? Where they talk about the fact that uh, Democrats are basically, have always been a party of racism and somehow they found a way to cloak their racism and pretend as if they're trying to help black people. I don't necessarily believe that that is actually true of most people on the left these days. I think ultimately there are certain policies that people have that are good intention that necessarily don't work. And not only do they not work, they continuously decide to ignore the fact that they don't work and instead keep trying to push the same policies over and over again even though there are numerous voices asking them to maybe switch lanes. Now, you could switch it around and say, all right, what's the alternative? If the Democrats' policies don't work, what are the Republicans offering that do work? Well, I think from the Republican perspective or the conservative perspective, it's always going to be that you don't want to necessarily single out the black community per se. You should probably focus more on economic disadvantages overall, and then that can help uplift 
anybody who falls below certain brackets. And that might include a majority of black people, but you should never use race as the focus on why you're doing it because that only in turn just basically makes things worse. So, I mean, it's highly recommended that I fall more so on the conservative side of things seeing it. You by, you know, doing these things and seeing them as doing inferior. Uh, affirmative action, welfare, all sorts of so things wait, that welfare. eventually so, ruin our culture and places where we are now. So but, giving, but, but I want to I I get back to the history of it because we're talking about... Well, I just want to make sure we're clear. Giving them money hurt them, right? Is that what you're a, saying? Well, yes, giving them because if your father's out of the home, that's when we give you the money. So then give them the money while the dad's in the home. Well, then give them the money while the dad's in the home. If you're, if you're working so this amount of hours the, and getting less than this amount of you're dollars, throwing, you're getting money you're from throwing the government. The baby, yes, it is incentivizing. You're throwing the baby out with bathwater. I don't even know what that means in this scenario because, yes. You're, you're okay, throwing, okay, you want to talk about throwing babies okay, out with bathwater? Margaret Sanger wanted to exterminate the black race because she thought they were weeds. So, yeah, we can literally talk about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's what Margaret Sanger, that's what Democrat policies wanted to do to my people. So that's why I. All right, so. Young black dude right here has come prepped. He has his talking points memorized, the names, the individuals, the historical uh, context surrounding exactly what happened to the black community. White dude, on the other hand, is like, I ain't having none of that. You know, basically just trying to combat that. Now, now, look, look, if you are somebody who identifies as a black conservative, I used to be one of those people. I no longer identify as a black conservative. I think marrying color to your ideology is nonsensical. But you got to realize that somebody who is a black conservative in majority of the black community are probably going to be more in tune with some of the arguments being, you know, talked about on the conservative side more so than the people who just vote for Democrats in the black community who may not necessarily care or pay attention to a lot of these things, but they will somehow find a way to always vote Democrat. Now, I mean, I guess that's the great thing about these conversations. How many people are going to watch this and actually come to their own conclusion and figure out, oh, I didn't know that. Or maybe if I have more information, I can change my mind. But rarely does that ever truly happen. And in the instances that it do happen, I don't think it's significant enough to really see the changes that they want to see feel so strongly about it because it is these policies that date back centuries that were built off of the death and poverty of my people. Let's take a breath. So, <laughs> okay. So a lot of babies aren't, but All I right. am, oh. sadly. <laughs> I don't know what Ooh, that means. Ooh, this boy came fired up. This boy came fired up. Now, it's no secret that this probably, this guy, Chandler, is probably pro-life. So it's a big, significant talking point that we hash out the fact that Democrats are mostly pro-choice. And it's no secret that the conservatives see that abortion has had a major impact on the black community more so than anybody else. This guy seems like he wants to hash that idea out. I hope they don't get caught up on that particular issue because I'd really like to see a, a general or a broad conversation happening instead of getting locked down on one which jubilee is probably going to make sure they change the topic but you know let's see what my boy alec white liberal has to say when i say throw the baby out with the bathwater, you want to completely get rid of welfare okay or at least the concern i don't want to put that on you you haven't said that but the conservative apparatus does clearly so giving money to a group of people does not hurt them i mean it sure if you're talking about a lottery just hey, take can't. money but yes. there, are, there are strings take attached money. to that money take all 
All right, that's a nonsensical argument. Giving money to people can't hurt them. I can think of numerous ways that giving free money to somebody can actually cause them harm. Given it, uh, let's let's just use a simple example. Let's say that there's somebody who is uh, an alcoholic and all they do is drink. They spend most of their money getting drunk. They go broke. If you just give them money, it's a high probability that that person might decide to go buy more alcohol and in turn hurt themselves further instead of buying them a cheeseburger or buying them something that they can sleep with or whatever the case may be. Now, that's just a simple example, but I can think of other ways that giving people money can also exacerbate a problem. For one, if you give me money, a lot of people may not feel as if they have to go out into the world and actually earn their way in the world. They might say, well, if I got all my needs taken care of, why do I have to try harder? Why do I have to rise to the occasion? Why do I have to put standards on myself? Not to say that everybody will, but there are those individuals that take that path. So it can be harmful. I don't see how you come to the conclusion that giving people money can't cause harm under any circumstances. I mean, I simply just debunked that right then and there. All the there money. are strings attached Give them to them millions. Money. Make them all millionaires. I don't care. Giving money to black people does not hurt them. And that, and ha that has not that. happened, though. That has not happened. What, what do you mean? That has not happened. Giving, no. it's, it hasn't been a reparation. It hasn't been this so or that. What I, it has you're been saying a welfare program, welfare Great was Societies designed. Act, that welfare was built was... off of the idea of, hey, we get these families split up. We get these so people living here. So then let them keep the family together and keep all the money. I mean, I guess Boom, so, done. but I'm, I guarantee you there, I guess there is so. no way that Why would, would you not advocate for that? So in your, I guess, research of like history of this country. I really hate this idea of like... Thinking that money can solve all your problems or that some somehow money is the at the root of why things are exactly the way they are. Money is important. Nobody ever going to say that money isn't important. There's a lot of things you could do with money. I might fucking go buy a million dollar yacht if I had a billion dollars in my bank account or whatever the case may be. But like you can do a lot with money, but you're trying to give money to people who haven't even been educated on how to actually manage their money, spend their money, allocate their funds in the, in the right direction in order to better themselves, but also better the communities that they live in. Giving somebody a tool and not teaching them how to use that tool can ultimately probably cause more harm than it actually helps. If you're not of the mindset of being financially responsible, then what does it matter if I give you money? And we've noticed this over, uh, what, a few decades now. Like, you can throw money at a problem, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get the, the results. You see that in education in the inner cities. Just because you're feeding public schools more money and giving them access to more resources doesn't necessarily mean that those kids are going to grow up and actually get the education that they really needed or somehow overcome or rise above certain cultural aspects that's keeping them down. So, I mean... It doesn't matter how many times you say this, no matter how many times you make the argument, some people just never will listen to that because some people see the world through a prism of finances and money has always been at the forefront of their brain when it comes to why are we suffering? Why do we not feel as if we're getting our due and what is wrong with society? And it always comes down to the dollar, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. It always comes down to it. And everything, um, do you find like the reconstruction era and like the failures of like what it wanted to be and then what it ended up being um and then which led into you know which it, you know had downstream effects to, to enter into the jim crow era and you know you have policies like redlining that influence you know how schools are funded the downstream effects of slavery do you think um put black people as 
and generally in a worse opposition than white Americans. I think generation by generation the effects of slavery have been diluted, but generation by generation the effects of racism, welfare-based policies and things of that nature became even more great. So in the 1880s or so when we had our first black members of Congress which were indeed Republicans, I think that was a great start for things, but obviously we had terrible things that happened like the Tulsa massacre uh, among you know black people being chased out of their homes by the KKK. Sure. All funded by the Democrat Party, all supported <laughs> by the Democrat Party. Okay, I, I mean, I need all right, so look. You're never going to hear that line of argument from a black conservative or any conservative for that fact without them mentioning that the Democrats were the party of the KKK. And it, I mean, why wouldn't you use it? It's going to be a very convenient fact that you can throw out to target at the Democrats. The only issue I find with this line of thinking is, yeah, the Democrats were the party of the KKK. But we're talking about today. We're talking about in the last 10, 20, 30 years, exactly what has been the issue that we need to solve for today. And the Democrats are no longer the party of the KKK. Now, many might argue that the Democrats are racist or whatever, but they're not the party of the KKK of today. Now, with that being said, where does that get us? Does it get us any closer to actually addressing the solutions that we need today? No, it doesn't. It's just a great talking point. It's just something that you can keep hammering home. Many of these arguments have probably, probably already been heard by these liberals at this point. Stop you there. Uh, can you attribute not to the party, but to the ideology? Because I think when you think, regardless of whatever the party switch was, traditionally conservative values did not, like, that's more aligned with, um, you know, uh, uh, more racist policies it's in this very country. Difficult like to very compare 2020s conservatism to 1880s conservatism. Oh, I was loving the one before. So personally, I feel like there's really only one thing that white people have a true advantage over black people with, and it's that white people are less likely to be forced into a box. It happens with black people onto other black people, but it especially happens with white liberals onto black conservatives, where we are told that we are supposed to think a certain way, be a certain way, and if we're not, then we're called all these names like etc. And the worst of all is... I don't know how to say his name, Xavier. I'm going to say it's Xavier, uh, but it's spelled funny. But... He's touching on an aspect that and it's very frustrating. It, it, it is very frustrating. I have been able to duck and dodge those labels, uh, the uncle, you know, or whatever the case may be in many different circles. But there's this idea that because your skin color is a certain way, because you're black, that you're some, somehow supposed to think a certain way and it can be very frustrating because the moment you deviate from the mindset of these people or you say that no i will not vote democrat no i will not think like a liberal no i will not accept this ideology because my skin color is a certain way then not only are you a part of the problem but now you're the face uh like you're you're uh racism with a black face or you're somehow covering for racism or you are kissing the white man's butt or whatever the case may be. And it, that's not helpful. That's not useful to a conversation. And at the end of the day, uh, people are going to think that regardless because it's not just a black thing. It's a people thing. Uh, if you run in a, uh, a, a city, if you live in a city where most people think a certain way and you decide to go against the grain, people are going to think that you are a part of the problem. 
Now, how do you fix that? Uh, more exposure, more conversations like this. I think with the internet being the way it is and more voices being heard and people being able to engage and have these conversations, I think people are warming up more so. And I could be wrong because there is a lot that we're going backwards on when it comes to race relations in America. But you would hope that more and more people are open to people of different backgrounds and histories coming to different conclusions despite what their skin color is. You would hope. Liquor. Because I hate when a white liberal tells me as a black man that I'm a bootlicker. Because then I ask, whose boot am I licking? Because you're telling me as a white person that me as a black person that I'm licking your boot because I don't think in this box that you want me to frame my mentality in. That to me is real racism. And that's what we need to stop allowing to happen. I agree. I agree. Now, brother came in with a, a, a more subtle tone. Um, not re really ready on the attack. And I don't think the other dude did, but he did get things very hyped. The, the level in the room kind of got a little spiked. But this brother seems to be trying to explain something that I don't think that most reasonable white people would disagree with, especially on a camera. But, you know, you do have those wackos out there happen to us because black people are so quick now to not branch out and to have new ways of thinking or to go into careers like agriculture and these other career paths that black people don't typically get into. It's not because of racism stopping them from getting in there. It's because we're told for so long that you have to follow this path and you have to think a certain way. I think America is a great place for a black person. I think I'm an American. Anything that's available to you is available to me and mine. I've personally- She kept it simple and sweet. Uh, it's nice to see that. Uh especially coming from a black woman, you know, uh, I, it, I'm speaking for myself at this point. Uh, yeah, I never ever subscribe to this mindset that because I'm black, that somehow I don't have the same opportunities. Are there races out there? Of course, there's still races out there. Will people take advantage of other people because of their race or look down on them, not give them opportunities that will happen. I don't see how you can fix that because Legally speaking, policy speaking, there's nothing on the books, at least that goes against black people that causes discrimination or forces people to discriminate. That comes down to an individual level. Now, there are policies which uh, Roe v. Wade just got overturned or um, no, it's not Roe v. Wade, but affirmative action. My apology, but affirmative action just basically got thrown out. And that was one of those things that actively discriminated against people because they wasn't a certain color, which happens to be black in college admissions. So there are things like that that I consider to be forms of discrimination. But other than that, there's nothing to say that you must mistreat black people when they come into your store or not to serve black people or black people can't live in this neighborhood. There are just individual races out there who use their racism to hold people back. And I'm pretty sure that does happen. Those people have a right grievance and we should find those people and we should hold their feet to the fire and keep them accountable. But America as a whole, I think majority of black people in America have opportunities and can make something out of themselves if they apply themselves in the proper way. You know, graduate high school, go get a college degree, wait till you're married to have kids, things like this that can really increase a person's chance of being successful in this country. And I think that applies across the board. I've definitely never experienced white people having way more privileges than me. Like, I'm sure you could find certain institutions where so, black David, people are- So, David, I watched this earlier. 
uh, good episode, but I wish we got to see more out of it. Yeah, they probably recorded much, much more on this episode, and it never really came out. Uh, I've talked to people who've been on Jubilee personally who said that they might record like three, four hours of uh, of content, but they'll edit, edit it down to less than an hour or something of like that sort. I guess they have to pick and choose, or they're trying to keep people's attention. But yeah, uh, this is definitely one of those subjects that probably could you can go on for 24 hours if you really wanted to treated differently but in general i don't think that i've missed out on anything because of being black and if anything it's given me more of a voice because people will want to hear what i say now because i'm black <laughs> so if which i think the, the the white liberals are going to respond like you're talking about your personal story these are antidotal applications like th this is not the the story of the broad america this is not the average black person's experience that just because you are the minority within that minority you can't necessarily say because you haven't went through anything that you somehow can apply that to all other black people and you have to be very careful with this line of thinking because in a sense they could be right just because your personal story is a certain way doesn't mean that the vast majority of people that look like you aren't suffering or going through some form of oppression but you also have to be careful with that line of thinking because Ultimately, the people you hear from, like when you watch the news, you're getting antidote stories. The news is going to talk about, oh, this black person was this and this black person was that. And this white person did this to this black person. They are going to hand select certain stories to cover and to feed the flames. And you have to be wary of that as well. But ultimately, even if you have the statistical analysis and you bring it up forward and you bring the numbers to say, okay, 90% of black people don't do it, deal with this issue or do deal with this issue. You're always going to have the exceptions and then you're going to have to figure out what to do with those people who aren't the exception. But I still never subscribe to the idea that you have to somehow treat black people themselves differently or hold them to a different standard. What you could ultimately argue is, okay, why is this? And white people are going to say, I mean, the white liberals are going to say it's due to injustice and systemic racism and black conservatives or other conservatives are going to say it's due to culture and the lack of fathers in the home and things of that sort. Well, what if the answer is somewhere in the middle? And maybe it's not, but why do we keep arguing about the same thing over and over and never get into any solution? We have the statistics. We see what works for certain black people and what's not working for other black people. Let's try to replicate what we see working with those black people and try to get other black people to incorporate those same habits or behaviors or bring them the resources that the other people had that they didn't have. Whatever the reason is, that's where we should be trying to find a solution, not debating constantly over statistics and anecdotal evidence. It's like, nah, look at results and what can we do to increase those results? If anything, I have more of a platform now just on the basis of being a black conservative and saying what's not popular than I would if I was just a white person who was also conservative. I agree with the Supreme Court's decision to end affirmative action. Let me cut this up. Uh, I think... I'm not going to start. Someone else can start. Sorry. I think, I think affirmative action has served its purpose. I think that it was necessary for a particular time. And I think that every black person knows how to get into college. Every black, I mean, you can pull out the, the names, the Oprah, the oh, President Obama. You can pull out the, the head of Time Warner was black man. The Forbes was black man. We know what to do now. We don't need affirmative action anymore. And to me, affirmative action is offensive sometimes, especially nowadays, because um, I have six children and uh, two boys, four girls, 
and uh, <clears throat> all of them went to Harvard and Columbia and this one and that one. And it would it breaks my heart to think that they uh, accomplished their that goal of getting to, into these institutions just because of the color of their skin. I can definitely say that it creates a lot of tension when you have affirmative action. I remember my first week at the University of Illinois, I was sitting with some classmates and a white student turned to me and jokingly like, hey, Xavier, like, did you just attach a smiley face when you applied for this college? And I started asking what he meant. And he said to me that he was like, you're black. I'm assuming you had decent grades. You could have just attached a smiley face and you would have gotten into the university. All right. Now, that's the issue, right? Now, now look, it, it goes two ways. On one hand, affirmative action does create this issue. You're always going to have a doubt that maybe this black kid doesn't deserve to be here. Maybe he only got in because he's black. There's that. But also, that's stupid. If you made it to college, you should be smart enough to realize that not every black person in that college is there because of affirmative action. Some might be, but you don't know. You should never assume. So in a form, that's kind of racist, but also it's kind of realistic. Look, racism doesn't always come from an irrational perspective. And racism can be harmful, and it can also be coming from a place of experience. I'm not finna, you know, castrate somebody because they you know, came to the conclusion that this guy must be here because of affirmative action, but it does create that doubt in people's mind and affirmative action does that. And on the other hand, you know, as a black person, you would want to feel confident that you are where you are because of your merit, because you worked hard, because you applied yourself and you had the grades to get in. You want to be sure of that. And sometimes people can doubt themselves and not really feel as if they belong somewhere because they might've gotten in because of affirmative action. It, that doesn't even get into the whole the Asians being discriminated against argument and all of the people that didn't make it into that college because they didn't fit or strike a certain box on their application. So I was livid by that and I went off and started naming all my accomplishments and I felt so confident only for about an hour because then an hour later I started saying to myself like wow like did I actually earn my way in here? I started to have this insecurity and I started wondering to myself did I earn this position myself? She did my that doubt. Suffering earned this for me. And too, I've seen it in the sense of like affirmative action taking away from other people who are minorities. Like I had a friend exactly. who was Asian and he in high school and he really wanted to go to MIT. That was his dream school. He interned there. He was super like prepared to go there and he didn't get in. And you can only assume that it was because of affirmative action because they have such a large Asian population that they want to admit other people. Um, yeah. I wonder exactly what comes from that Asian lawsuit because. Uh, now you got Asians who can literally prove that they didn't get into a high, like, uh, a, a high university because they were Asian and wasn't black. Like, is there some way to compensate or some way to rectify that situation? Uh, David says, I'm firmly with destiny on this point. Affirmative action seems a way of trying to remedy inequities that start way before college or the workforce without addressing the root of inequality. I agree with that as well. I think, um, ultimately, by the time you get to college, <laughs> uh, those people who were able to get into that college are probably uh, excelled. They, they are probably the ones who are the exception amongst their peers. So the ones who literally didn't make it that far are probably the ones who need the help the most that aren't getting it. Boy, say so proud that a black woman like Destiny came on this show. Hell <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to actually argue that it's more racist nowadays because it excludes so many Asian Americans from getting into universities right. who do deserve a spot and they can't get in because of affirmative, affirmative action, which... Imagine if the Asian situation never took place. Nobody ever really sat back and thought about it like that. Because 
the Asian population is doing great. And, and, and financially, they're probably doing better than white people in this country. But it really allowed us to put a microscope on affirmative action in a way that I don't think we could have done without the Asian population fighting against this. Because, for one, the Asian population didn't go through slavery. But also, the Asian population didn't own slaves in America. So these are a group of people outside of the black-white paradigm who is being affected by something that they had nothing to do with. So now here we are forced to deal with something and see the impact that it has on society as a whole and not just this black white situation that we constantly think of at the forefront of our minds every day in this country. Again, like you were saying, was necessary at the time, yeah. but now it's like anybody, if you have the skills to do it and you're in America, you can't, yeah. you can get in. I don't think affirmative action is the worst thing considering all the different types or aspects of a background you might take into account when somebody's getting into college, whether they were in certain clubs, you know, Boy Scouts, what type of classes they took that might not be available to everybody. I don't think that factoring in the affirmative action is necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like because of everything you guys have said, the optics behind it are so horrible today that even if it is slightly beneficial in the long run for certain people i think we can probably refocus most of that into figuring out like the class that people come from the neighborhoods the backgrounds or whatever without it having to necessarily target race the only thing that i kind of wonder now that it's gone is instead of a black person being in school thinking like man am i here because i'm an affirmative action pick is it going to be a kid that is poor or a kid that's from a different zip code i think we should do think? away with all of it all just like it. submit an application all right so here, here's the complex Y'all ready to get deep? All right, we're finna get a little deep, right? Here's the complex take on, on what Destiny just said. And the brother is not an idiot by far. The man thinks through a lot of his issues. Now, I will say that I always believe that inequities between people are more important, like class and finances and things of that sort are more important and has much more to do with your outcomes in life than your skin color. Now, how do you target people of a certain class? I can make up a phony story. I can say, oh, yeah, my dad died when I was three years old, left my mama alone to raise eight kids on her own. Like, I mean, you can come up and spin a story. Does a person in the college admissions go out and verify these stories and make sure that you actually come from the place that you say you come from? Well, that's one side of it. The other side of it is, uh, like, my boy David pointed out earlier is basically a lot of these problems start way before you get to college. And even if you went and plucked somebody out of their situation at the age of 18 to go to, to this advanced college, if they're not mentally ready or they can't compete on that level because they haven't acquired the, the, necessarily, the necessary education to compete on that level, they're going to fail. There's a lot to do with misplacement. So like, a lot of us think that poverty or somehow a lot of the issues that plague us in society is an easy fix, but it's not. Thomas Sowell said there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. And to a certain extent, that is true. We have a certain level of budget. And then we have to decide as a society, how do we allocate funds and resources to each issue that we're facing in this country? Not only that, we have broader interests out throughout the world, like, you know, Ukraine and Russia and things of that sort. So we have this money. How do we allocate the funds? How much funds do we allocate to each issue? And what do we expect to see by allocating those funds? Do we just give the money away and hope for the best? 
are we measuring the outcome to seeing if these programs are actually helping people or are they keeping them stagnant or not helping at all? See, oftentimes in politics, we do a lot of implementing policies and putting things in place and trying to create programs, but we never really stick around to see how effective they actually are. And once we do decide that, oh, this program isn't really helping somebody, you'd be damned to think uh, to take it away because you have a whole generation raised on these programs who feel entitled to them. And now you're losing votes because who's going to vote for the guy who's saying, I'm going to take away your... Your, your government housing or your food stamps. Nobody's going to vote for that person who needs those or who feel like they need those things. So we put ourselves in a bind and it takes a tough leader and it takes a tough population to be able to decide that we're going to actually roll back some of these things. Be damned how, how many people feel like they need them. No demographics. Why do they ask your sexuality? Like, why do they ask all that stuff? Uh, so bros. If affirmative action accomplished its purpose, why do we still see the disparities that we do in the professional workplace? If all right. All right. Now, I want to focus on the question he just asked. If affirmative action has been successful, why do we still see the inequities that we do in the workplace? Now, he might have more to his question, but let's just focus in on that little question right there. First, brother, you will have to prove that inequities in the workplace are directly linked to affirmative action or directly linked to college admissions. You have to first establish that, which I'm pretty sure he hasn't established. The second thing you would have to do is point out the fact that by some metric, what the success look like? Is it that we see pure equality amongst all professions from people who come from these universities? But what if there's just not enough people interested in those things of a particular population to fill those shoes? What if it's not enough black people interested in chemistry or, you know, any other field? Like, you have to take that into account as well. I, some of these conversations are very hard to have because there are a multitude of factors that play into it that most people don't really think through. But, I mean, it should be clear that that's a bad question. If you average white wealth and compare it to black wealth totals, White people as a whole have about 50 times greater wealth than black people as a whole uh, per capita. So I just don't understand why you think affirmative action has accomplished its purpose. I don't see curious. that. Um, why do you assume that just because there is a disparity means it's because of a racial issue? What else would it be from? I Good question. Upbringing. See, now, now, look, this is like where you shift the blame, right? It's like, no, the onus is on you, brother. You have the burden to bear because you invoke that this is the reason if it was successful why do we see this right you're the one making the claim that affirmative action has not been fully successful yet because we don't see these things in the workplace now she challenges that and then he tell her to give her a counter example on what it would look like like no it doesn't work that way bro you invoke that economic abilities desire skills. to go desire to I mean, so zip code does play a lot if you grow up in a neighborhood that experiences a lot of trauma you're not as likely to do as well in school which means you're why did they grow up in a neighborhood that experiences a lot of trauma there we go lots of people do yes but why way. specifically do more black people government assistance program bro there are so many poor white people there are so many white people who don't go to college i don't know if it's more if you look at the per capita uh, I don't necessarily know exactly like black women, for example, over exceed expectations when it comes to school and career over even white women. Uh, so like 
I mean, everything can't be racism. It just can't. Now you can say, all right, 40%, 30%. Give me a percentage. Like, like let's break this down in a percentage wise to try to get to an understanding. But you can't say 100% of this stuff is due to racism, bro. Not at this point. Government assistance programs, like yeah. what? Charter redlining. I mean, you can go into that if you'd like to, but let's take a look relevant. at uh, the Great Societies Act, which was created to kick black fathers out of the home and get black mothers on welfare assistance. These things aren't beneficial for economics. These things aren't beneficial for actually paving the way for success for black children and black families. I mean, taking, you know, reducing a two-family household to a one-family household isn't going to make them the richest man in the world. It isn't even going to get them out of high school. Nonetheless, you mean the ability parent. to even get to college. You mean yeah, two parents? The, the child, yes, but a two-parent household yeah. in comparison to a one-parent household, that child is not going to be nearly as successful. That child is more disposed to being sent into prison by doing crimes or not doing very well in school. So how are they even supposed to get that, you know, that wealth disparity shrunk if they aren't even able to get out of the community that is causing these problems for them? Something I think that this conversation illustrates is that like affirmative action is literally the very end of the line of a lot That's of what David parts was saying. of a person's life. And by that point, trying to rectify all of the inequities I've that have existed, to try to remedy to any of that at the until the day I die. Action, it might just be <laughs> too broad a brush, and maybe we'd be better served focusing on the earlier issues than trying to throw a kid who maybe you know can barely read at a sixth grade level into a college to hope that that's the thing that fixes the problem at the end of the line. I think affirmative action wasn't really supposed to like send kids to Harvard that weren't prepared to go to Harvard. I think that's quite a myth, in fact. I think those that have the qualities to get to Harvard were before affirmative action were could just completely overlooked. You know, uh, Clarence Thomas is like the perfect example. Um, you know, regardless of what you uh, think about him, um, he was able to get to Harvard because of affirmative action. Because you know, it was it focused on um, finding people that were you know, again like just overlooked. But, for those. but things in, ended up changing. It, it morphed into something else. So what started out as yeah, 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 yeah. Bring it up. Drop it on it. Because, look, I, I don't think enough people think about this. Uh, Clarence Thompson is uh, up there in age. I mean, by the time he was in college, I'm th we th well, we're talking about maybe the 60s, 70s or something of that, of that sort. Like, uh, just 30 years ago, there's been drastic changes in America. Drastic changes. I'm talking about the speed of technology, the, the rate of poverty. Like, I mean, there have been so many different changes, all for the, the good. If you read Steven Pinker, The Better Angels of Our Nature, like you'll, you'll realize how far we've come in such a short period of time. And nobody could argue that maybe 30, even 40 years ago, maybe something like that might have still been necessary. But we're talking about in a society now where a lot of poor people have food in their fridge, cars, cell phones. Uh, and if you got a cell phone and you got internet, you got access to resources. I learn things by myself right now and I don't need to go to college to learn them. I expand my mind by reading on my own and learning and establishing my principles by you know, challenging myself. Some of these things that you cannot deny, somebody who's determined to learn in 2023, there is no excuses unless, unless, you live in a crime-filled neighborhood where you're literally fighting for your life every single day and you have no access to internet. And there are people like that. Don't get me wrong. But for the vast majority of Americans, I don't think that's the issue that they're facing.
It's a good program of, affirming, of, of giving all black people or people um, with a lesser Making chance or less opportunity. It started out as that, and then it morphed it, and I'm not sure who morphed it, but it morphed into, okay, so now we have that one black, one Hispanic, one this, one that. That's and not how that works. It, but hey, talk to the corporations, talk to the people who hire, talk to the board members who say we need to have a woman on a board, we need to have a black on the board, we need to have a, a Latina, a Latinx, whatever, on, on the board. So, <laughs> so it morphed from, from helping us into now... Tokenization. Yes. So you have to have one of this, one of so that. And well, when you start with a country where people only hire you if you're white, that's necessary. And I know that you said that it started good and then ended whatever. And I don't think that affirmative action was perfect. One thing you got to think about as well, what about the immigrants? What about the African immigrants that come to America and don't report to experience the same level of racism as African-Americans do? What about the African immigrants that come over here and excel and become successful and wealthy and don't necessarily end up in the same circumstances that a lot of African-Americans find themselves in? Now, okay, one could argue, is it today's racism or is it the racism of the past and the trauma? I don't believe in generational trauma. I don't believe that because my great, 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 great granddaddy went through something that I'm somehow suffering the trauma of it today. I just don't buy that nonsense. That's not how life works. But what you could argue is it's a mindset. There's definitely a mindset there, you know, because a lot of these Africans that come from Africa come from worse situations than we are living in as African-Americans in this country today. How do you explain that? You know? Now, I do know that Destiny will say, because I've heard him say this, that those Africans that come over here and make it over here are somehow already the cream of the crop, and they're already, like, way above the people that they're coming from. They're selecting for the type of people who were able and had the resources to come over here in the first place. So of course they're going to excel, but even their resources don't amount to the amount of resources that African-Americans have to date. You know, I'll catch up with some of y'all comments in a second. Uh, I see Tara Donnell. What's up? Welcome to the party. Um, Paula Berlinski, Kevin Ho Hagen. What's up? Any measure but we still see really, really bad inequality. So if you're going to get rid of affirmative action, what's the replacement? Meritocracy. Is people need to There's no meritocracy in this yes, country. You look at Elon Musk, he's destroying Twitter. There's no meritocracy, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, first thing Bro, what the hell? How are you gonna say there's no meritocracy and use Elon Musk as an example? Elon Musk had merit. Elon Musk earned his place where he are today. He worked hard. That man worked hard. That man came up with ideas. He made moves. That's merit. I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody walked up to Elon Musk and said, here, you can be the richest man in the, on, in the country. Nobody did that. <laughs> Look, this guy is just making some bad arguments. Simple. This is not indicative of all white liberals or liberals in general, but sometimes you just hear arguments that's like, how do you not, how do you join meritocracy not being a thing with Elon Musk, who is the epitome of meritocracy. The thing I want to bounce back to is it's not a myth that there are like minorities that are being put into colleges that they're not ready for. If you look at a lot of these top universities, <laughs> Harvard, Yale, etc., you're going to see a lot of minorities on academic probation because they are being placed in universities that they are not ready for. They are not cut out for that just yet. And it even just makes sense if you look at how much they have to achieve in order to get there. Asians. Now this argument. 
See, this, this is the crazy part about how our society is organized, right? This argument has a lot of merit to it. The, the misplacement of black people who don't necessarily uh, belong in certain universities because of their academic scores or whatever the case may be. See, what we have now is there are people out there in order to combat this argument are making statements like, well, the criteria is biased. It's biased towards white people. It's a flaw in the system. It can never be the individual. It has to be the system that's the problem. So maybe we should lower our standards. Maybe we should require less from these people instead of asking these people to meet the requirements that's already in place. Now, that is a fringe argument on the left. I would never accuse most liberals of thinking that way. And there's a big distinction between those who are liberals and those who are leftists or progressives. But there are a strain of people making those arguments. And it's directly tied to the argument that he's making to counter it. Students on average have to score 450 points higher than a black student in order to get in the same university. Ooh, so if you think of the universities that have courses, et cetera, that, gr that grade on a curve. Yeah, I think I'm doing a good job, man. Y'all can always tell me, you know, drop a super chat, anything of the sort, you know, show your brother some love, help brother pay bills, buy your brother a coffee, something of the sort. You can only have so many people with an A, so many people with a B, et cetera. So that means that the bottom percentile is going to fail. Who is most likely, just based on logic, going to be the ones failing? It's going to be the people who didn't have the credentials to get there in the first place. And then I have to bounce back to- I wanna, I wanna, get, I wanna get you on that point because I would posit that the people who are least likely to have good outcomes in an academic setting are those who have to work two jobs, are those who have to drive <laughs> there from home because they can't afford a dorm, are those who have to go into crippling financial debt. These are the, and, and have other stresses in their life. They can't afford a doctor. They can't afford a dentist. They can't afford anything. I had to well, you shouldn't be going to an Ivy League school, brother. I'm sorry to say it, but if you can't afford to be at an Ivy League school, you shouldn't go there. You can get an education at a community college. You can go to a community college for two years and get an associate's degree and then transfer over to a university and get your other two, three years to get a bachelor's degree. You can get a good job, start working, and then you go back to school once you get the finances up. Like, there are many paths towards getting that education instead of trying to go to Ivy League school out of the door. If you can't afford to buy yourself food i don't i think you got bigger problems than attending the greatest university in the country i'm sorry but priorities priorities we live in the real world sometimes you got to make sacrifices sometimes you got to own up and realize that maybe what you want to achieve is not attainable right now and you should put that on the back burner handle your business right now get where you need to go and then you can revamp and start trying to push further that's reality. That's how life works. I got out of juvenile when I was 20 years old. I was way behind. I had to get a job. I had to get a car. I had to work my way up. I sold my own blood to make money and put money in my pockets. I stood on the corner and sold newspapers to try to get, you know, where I was going. Sometimes sacrifices have to be made. And that's just the reality of it. But they don't want you to have any sacrifices. See, but sacrifices build character. But we have people in this country who believe that everything should just be handed to you or things should be easy. Easy is not necessarily the right way because there are rich people who have kids who ain't worth shit. And they got all the money in the world and they turn into drug addicts or, you know, become the stain on their family and ruin their family business. It happens. So, like, resources is not always the answer to things. Reality check. Reality check.
So those are the people. That's not just black people. It's not just. But it's overwhelmingly numbers. There are more white people in poverty than black people. If you look at the wrong numbers, but if you actually understand what you're talking about, the issue is poverty in general. Though I don't think it's like who's in poverty. It's like poverty sucks. Maybe we should make college free. And maybe we want to have, have Furman actually wouldn't be that necessary. And it'll get even more ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a program that says you are under. If free is never free. Remember that. There ain't shit free. There ain't shit free. Even people, if you go into a company and they offering you free stuff, it ain't really free. They want something in return. They trying to get your business, your future business. They trying to, you know, subliminally message to you or have false advertisement or like you carrying around the pin that you got from the the building you went to and they got their logo on it. Like everybody thinks that, you know, that there's something free in life. There is nothing free, especially when you're talking about college and university. That ain't free. The taxpayers pay for that. And that's fine. If you want to live in a society where taxpayers pay for your college university, that's cool. But if you live in a society who don't, suck it up. That's just the way it is. Now, you could try to convince us, but I don't think Americans are necessarily lining up for that. Even liberals are not necessarily for a free college in, in certain circumstances. If you are under a certain income level, this is how we'll help you. That will overwhelmingly help black people at a far greater percentage than it will help white people. And I also assume that college is the only path forward. You know, like a lot of people don't want to go to college. College is not a fit for everybody. You know, like uh, we got it in our heads that somehow college is the only way to be successful. And it's not. It's not. Now, college can really benefit a lot of people. But like I said, you don't have to go straight to four year university. We never talk about that. We never talk about other paths that you could take to get there. What about apprenticeships? Not everything requires you to go sit in a classroom four days out of the week and get an education. Some things you can learn on the job. Sometimes there are companies out there willing to train you in order to work you up and you can work your way up throughout the organization and get a high level position. Like, you know, put your time and put your work in. Everything doesn't have to boil down to college, especially when you got people going to universities that's getting degrees or something that don't actually do anything. Trump supports black lives. Trump support black lives. <laughs> that's a weird question. Yeah, oh, that's a weird question. Trump supports black lives. I think that President Trump supports all lives. I think that he looks at all American citizens as equal. I don't see him doing anything that would make you feel like he does not support black lives. Um, that's, of course, going to lead into the conversation of Black Lives Matter, which was a movement and an organization. With Trump so supports corruption. Trump. Donald Trump not supporting that organization doesn't mean that he doesn't support black lives. It just means that he doesn't support the fraudulent organization that's stealing so much <laughs> money from so many people absolutely nothing with it. Nor does he support a destructive movement that is destroying cities, communities, lives etc so i don't see why someone would think that president trump doesn't support black lives i would hope that he would have given an argument on why donald trump support black lives instead of saying that these things don't mean he doesn't support black lives now look i'm gonna speak for myself here i think donald trump did some things that uh here's the thing i don't want donald trump to support black lives i want donald trump to support americans i want donald trump to support the country i want all my presidents to support the country. I don't want any of my presidents singling out any group and saying, I support you individually, like you as a group. No, I want them to support Americans. I want them to protect the constitution. I want them to secure our borders. I want them to make sure that, you know, the, 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 the federalist ideals of America are met and that they represent that and protect America's interests, foreign and domestic. I don't need my president to support any one group 
over another group or more than one other group. Like, let's stop playing this game. I don't know where people got this idea that we're supposed to expect so much from our government that we literally cripple ourselves if we don't feel like they're giving us what we think we deserve. I've heard him say uh, he knows all the best black people. He has all the best black friends. <laughs> I, I do support black people all the time. Uh, so, sorry, that was a very bad impression. But um, I, I don't think that I don't think Donald Trump on, wants Destiny. bad things to happen to black Where people. Where you at, Destiny? So in that respect, I think he does support black lives. But the other side of that is he's not really doing anything. He didn't do anything as president, certainly, to uplift black people. The economy affects black people. Yeah, I, I certainly disagree with that point. One of the biggest things I... <laughs> what does he do for the economy? Well, yeah, we, we don't know. We'll, can get, we'll get into that one later. One of the biggest <laughs> things he did is see, he secured... I, no, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. They didn't edit this thing down. We didn't get into it. Uh-uh. Funding for HBCUs, one of the largest increases we ever saw for HBCUs, personally done by his administration, among many other things. The First Step Act, which, you know, there's a lot of debate about whether it was really the best thing to do, but that was definitely a, a, a kiss of love to, black, to the black race. Uh, freeing Alice Johnson for menial drug crimes she committed in the past that had her locked up. She did not get to see her family for years. Yeah, uh, but that's not like, okay, I did say I agree. But I agree in the sense that Donald Trump doesn't literally want bad things to happen to black people, like I think a lot of conservatives do. So I think that he just says the most pot. Yeah, I do think that. <laughs> Boy, I, I, middle ground, zoomed in on that shit. Did you see it wasn't? <laughs> listen, and listen well. I'm going to rewind that so y'all can hear what, what this man has said. All right. Hear what he said. All right. This is crazy. Okay, I did say I agree. But I agree uh, in the sense that Donald Trump doesn't literally want bad things to happen to black people, like I think a lot of conservatives do. So I a lot of conservatives want bad things to happen to black people. Did you hear this? A lot of conservatives want bad things to happen to black people. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know why they bought him on, but he has had some of the worst takes on this thing by far. I'm not going to sit here and play the game of like, oh, liberals don't really understand what conservatives want because I don't think a lot of conservatives understand what liberals want. I think conservatives understand what liberals want more than liberals understand what conservatives want. But there is this mentality that the other person is evil or the other side is somehow nefarious or want to destroy what we believe in as Americans or take away our rights. Look, we got to get away from that. I'm not even blaming him because that is a, a, a ideology or a mindset that's very prominent in America these days. But this fool just said that most a lot of conservatives want bad things to happen to black people. What? Give me an example, bro. Give me an example. Now, he's been asking people to back up their claims. I would like to see them push against him and say, hey, can you give me some examples? You made a lot of statements here tonight, sir. Can you give me some examples to back up your claims? Please. I think that he just says the most pot. Yeah, I do think that. I think uh, the most, he says the things that will get him elected. So I don't think that he has any personal grudges against uh, certain, you know, most people. Uh, he just says the most popular thing. So I, I think, like, Ron DeSantis would be, yeah, Ron DeSantis would you, be somebody that I think actually think... wants black people to be hurt. So by that standard, yeah, Donald wow. Trump supports black lives. Wow, Ron DeSantis. I, what am I missing here? Look, I might be not privy to certain information. And if y'all got some information uh, that Ron DeSantis wants to hurt black people, or at least indicates that, 
uh, drop it in the Discord chat. Um, I, I check out the Discord chat. Drop a link or drop it in the comment section or whatever the case may be, because I would really, really, really like to know that. Leaps and bounds. Do you think Donald Trump says the most popular thing? Yeah. Really? Yes. Then why do so many people hate him? He got elected as president. Yes, he did. Yeah. He didn't win the popular vote. Neither time. Uh, that's a that's liberal what your side point. wants to say. See, what he should have said is Donald Trump says the most popular thing amongst his base. And he knows that he has a base of supporters and he wants to feed them what they want to hear. But it could also mean that Donald Trump actually believed the thing that he's saying. It could be. Because I would never, by a stretch of my imagination, believe that Donald Trump was just trying to say things that were popular because Donald Trump said a lot of things that were unpopular or at least was going to ruffle a lot of feathers. I mean, that's his brand. Like, he's going to go after you. He's going to say things that he feel like other people won't say because they're afraid that people won't like him because of it. Like, I don't think that was the right way of saying it, but I think that Donald Trump says things that resonates with a certain group of people and it's 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 been working for him and he's going to continue to say that. But Donald Trump had a lot of disagreement even amongst his base, like when it came to the vaccine. So, you know, you know, you got to weigh all of that. But I, uh, that's yeah, a liberal talking. I'm point. helping you here. I, I, I'm trying to see the logic in this. Obviously, Tom, he's trust saying me. things very similarly to how Joe Biden, Tom, did, Joe Biden actually has a history of racism. If he said things that people didn't like, you wouldn't have been our president. So you like everything that Donald Trump says. You think everything he says is popular. I love a lot of the things he says. I think he's hilarious when he said big water. That was one of my favorite quotes. Big water. Water, big water, ocean water. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> he has the funniest one-liners, so I love a lot of the things he says. As far as policy, he sucks, but. I'm just shocked you're wearing a Hunter Biden hat. He likes a different kind of one-line. Oh, he's, I, I, I know, conservatives love talking about his No, uh, Coke, it's different. Coke, not. That's just, I ain't even getting into Trump all of that nonsense. Trump is less of the issue and more so the people that support him, like, die hard. They facilitate that kind of, like, hate, I think, for a lot of people, not just black what? people. But, like, Bro, go to a Trump rally. There's a lot of love there. Bro, I know a lot of Trump supporters personally. There's a lot of love there. I, I run into Trump supporters just out and about in a day, and they don't even know where I fall politically or anything of that sort. And we'll start having a conversation about politics or Donald Trump or something like that. There's nothing but love there. I, I don't get this hate that people are saying. There are some hateful people out there. Of course there are. But the vast majority of Trump supporters are not hateful. I, I can testify to that. At least, where are they? Where are they? You know, because, like, I don't... People keep trying to convince me that Donald Trump supporters are racist or they're somehow hateful, but I just, I, I just don't see it. I don't know where to find it, you know, or you literally, really, really got to search hard to find it. Like, I mean, this man put, took out like a full page. What's up, Fluffy Muffins? Calling for the public execution of five black kids, his hotels, all of his businesses. Something tells me that these lives have wealthy parents. I could be wrong, but I get a feeling they never went through hard times. The hate is from the youth who follow adults who never grew up. Let's be honest. <laughs> Yo, like I said, uh, I don't, I've never been in the projects. I'm from the projects. I go to the projects. I've never been in the projects in my entire life being in the projects. Not once have I ever, ever, ever had White liberals come to my projects and try to talk to me about my issues or try to help me with my issues or, you know, see how we were living and live amongst us to try to understand us and our ways and our culture and what what we needed or any of that. It's one thing to sit behind the screen and look up statistics. It's one thing to engage with online personalities, but it's another thing to actually be in the trenches and actually engage with people one to one and see what people are thinking about and what they're saying.
you know we don't really get that you know uh and for a lot of white liberals to claim that they know what the black community needs and they know what the black community is lacking and what they understand i would even argue that majority of the activists that you see on tv the people who are marching or the people that get on cnn news or whatever and make these statements about the black community and stuff like that i would make the argument that most of those people are not living in the projects or from the projects most of those people are not i'm willing to you know stick my neck out on the line and say that you know what i mean there's a lot of studies about people in school are usually more liberal left-leaning and people who are out of school tend to lean right or conservative libertarian i have to look into those um words i, I know I, I know a lot of people said uh that you become more conservative the older you get I and mean, then i've seen an argument i think i saw a study that said that people actually become more liberal when they get older so uh i have to look into that is have rampant uh history of denying black people apartments or whatever so i forgot about that i, I just, should not have stepped forward uh, look i mean donald trump cares about donald trump i'm not gonna lie i'm really here for destiny like i really want to hear what destiny gotta say but destiny is chill as fuck like i want to see destiny like you know wrap up like you know just get this conversation um, rolling. So I don't think he really cares about anyone, I guess, unless you're like super rich or whatever. When you look at his history on racial issues, whether it's the shithole countries comment, the plethora of comments he made about Mexican people, um, I, just the comments he made about Muslims, the idea that Trump cares a, at all about some particular racial minority, I think is a little bit silly. I think Trump will say whatever he needs to say to rile up his base and to get elected. I don't necessarily think those statements come from a place of hatred. I don't think he was ever saying specifically, oh, if, if you pray five times a day towards the east or towards Mega based on wherever you are, you're a bad person. I think he was saying if you like to fly planes into towers or behead people or throw people off of buildings, maybe you're not the most virtuous person out there. I, I supported Trump because um, all, he, he made all of the, he made the economy good. And so the economy then impacted black people, white people, Latino people, it, it impacted everybody. But Trump, he- All right, this is something we gotta address here. All right. Uh, uh, a lot of people love the white spleen for the black folks. <laughs> true that, true that. I'll see if I can find it for you, at least the ones I saw. Yeah, post it in the Discord chat. I, I want to see it. But uh, there's something we got to address. Uh, we got to talk about the fact that um, the president can make policies and decisions that definitely has an impact on the economy. But by all means, the president is not the all be all or the ends when it comes to the economy. You got to realize that's... The, we have people who are paid. That is their job. They went to school to become economists and they disagree widely on so many different factors on how to impact their economy for positive growth and all of those things that they can't even agree on. Um, yes, the president can have a, a level of influence over the economy and how people respond to the economy and what they decide to do with businesses and things of that sort. But it's not the all be all. I just wouldn't put so much weight on the, the office of the presidency on how much of the economy is good. You know, there are certain things that you can definitely, definitely tie to the president and how it had an impact on the economy. But majority of the economy is consumer demand. It's what people are buying. It's about how much resources are being produced at one time. Can they keep up with the demand? Are people being a little more selfish with their money because of natural disasters? Like there are so many different things. We saw what COVID did. COVID came out of nowhere and literally had the economy shut down and people were put out of business. Now, the president, Donald Trump, made decisions that, you know, had an impact on the economy. But I really think that COVID itself had more of an impact on the economy than 
the decision to shut down. Because even if we would have shut down, there still would have been va a vast majority of people out there afraid to go into the coffee shop and buy coffee because they were afraid of catching COVID. So you still have to keep in mind of the trends and the th different things going on right now amongst people that have an impact on the economy. Uh, yeah. He didn't think specifically, I don't think, about black people. He thought about himself, and he thought about how can I make America great for me? And, for and me. making America, and, and, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna go with this guy, and the reason yeah. I'm gonna go with this guy is because if he can make America great for, and he can make that it rise for everybody, I'm gonna benefit from that. So that's why I went, and that's why I voted for him, that's why I supported him. But how does that specifically benefit black people? Again, he has, He's a businessman, but he's also a racist businessman, like well documented. So, so like I just uh, and Biden's not. <laughs> Biden's not. When, yes, when he Biden, is. He yeah. created the crime okay. bill. So, so that's but that's that's regardless of the well, point. Address the Central Park Five. That's what you brought up, right? Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, he took actually. The <laughs> All right, y'all. We're trying to get into the Central Park Five. I don't know how many of y'all know about that story, right? Uh, but you know, let's see what happens. Okay, they were so, so I have he wanted them to be killed, well, executed. Just be All right, now, under the uh, at the moment where the Central Park Five situation took place, everybody thought those kids were guilty. At least most people thought those kids were guilty. Donald Trump didn't know what particularly happened in the situation, but from the information that was being fed, what the police were saying, all of the things that happened surrounding that. And, and to this day, I still thought there was some controversy around the case or whatever the case may be. But that aside, here is we're, we're living in the time where there are five kids who a lot of people think this a horrible thing to somebody in the park. I'm not going to speak about it. I don't want to get demonetized or whatever the case may be. Uh, but at the time, if you thought that somebody did that type of stuff to someone, it's only natural for people to want them to really severely be punished up to, you know, the death penalty. Now, knowing that in the future, we're looking at hindsight right now. And a lot of people are looking at hindsight like, oh, those kids were innocent or these kids, the story wasn't what they said it was and all of that. But you're trying to judge somebody about what we know now versus what they knew then. And it's one of those things. Because they were black. That story. And he, he, oh, because they were he bars people from attending his businesses or like renting apartments from all his like the information Trump towers. Fed, I just like, I think Trump at that. that point was like many people in this room, particularly liberals, a victim of the media. I think he was scared. I think he was ashamed of the things that he heard in the news and wanted to take action himself as a businessman, not as a Why racist. are you infantilizing him? I also, I don't like, also, real quick, because people keep bringing up this comparison to the 93 crime bill from Biden. Yo, y'all watching? Bill, this was at the height of- If y'all like, watching right now, make sure y'all hit the like button, support the show, you know, show some love to your boy. Let me know y'all enjoying the content. That's how you hit the like button. And it lets YouTube know, hey, yo, this video might be on the song. Violent crime and the crack epidemic in the United States. The Congressional Black Caucus supported that crime yeah. bill. Everybody in the United States supported that crime bill. Mm -hmm. The idea that that crime bill was like some racist piece of legislation that Biden was just wheeling out because he hates black people, and that's somehow comparable to the, the dumb... I have to agree with this statement. Uh, the crime bill was very popular at the time because the crime rates were super high. You know, a lot of people supported it. There were black leaders and black organizations who were calling for something to be done about the crime rates in the black community. So, uh... I, we do have to take that in consideration. Now, the the issue becomes once we knew that the crime bill was having negative consequences or dire consequences to people who didn't deserve to be locked up for so long and then it was being abused or whatever the case may be, 
there should have been some recognition of that and some people calling for it to be overturned. Donald, uh, Joe Biden didn't step up and say that it was a bad mistake until after he was severely challenged on it years and years and years later. You know, uh, especially if you're one of the people that was responsible for the crime bill and you're supposed to care about the outcomes of this community, then I think it is your responsibility to step up and say something, even if you made the mistake, not wait until you be trying to run for president. Donald Trump's treatment of the Central Park Five that were already exonerated, that, that wasn't a victim of the media. The media said they were... Yeah, they like were, sharing helps of spread. They weren't there. Where, As where I understand it, the prosecutor of, the, of the, the, the Five, they actually, he was a black guy. And so in being a black guy, he went and he looked at all the evidence and said, these guys are guilty. Black people can also be racist against other black See, people. Or black just make mistakes. Yeah, like, there, there. oh, why is this dude on here? Oh, I, well, look, I'm glad he's on here because ultimately you need the people who think differently even amongst the liberal side but just because a black person comes to a conclusion you feel like is the wrong one doesn't necessarily mean that that black person is being racist against their own kind and there are a lot of people who think that way that somehow black people who go against the grain are somehow self-hating or have hate in their heart against their own people and oh my gosh is that one of the worst things that you hear these days and i just ignore it because when a person expresses that type of opinion, they're not really worth engaging. It's nothing you can really say to this person to change their mind about something that significant. If you really think that, bro, it's not much I can say to reach you. So if anybody okay. does anything you disagree with in regards to the Central Park Five, even if they themselves are a black person, they're, oh, they're just a self-loathing black person. They're just a racist person. <laughs> Y'all, right? Come on, man. You can't win. It's a lose-lose situation. You can't win. You can't win for losing. You know what I mean? You notice in the age of the left and the right people who are participating. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Black person. If they disagree that with me, they're racist. That prosecutor was doing his job. That's, that's my policy. If they disagree with me, they're racist. I like that. I, I think so Trump is... Yeah, I like think now, he's being sarcastic, but in a way, I don't think what he was saying is that anybody who disagrees with him is racist. But you are making a statement that because this black man did something that you disagree with, that it indicates that he has some kind of self-hatred against his own people. That's what you said. Now, you can't extrapolate that. That's how you feel. Anybody who disagrees with you that they're somehow a racist or whatever. But, I mean, it's not far from it. Because if you can come to that conclusion, you're just throwing the word racism around willy-nilly at this point. I think That's Trump has policy. shown a history of ignorant at best and racist at worst behavior. I didn't vote for him or Hillary because I just don't... If you're watching right now, hit that like button hero i don't even think he's a conservative uh, fake personal. conservative i voted trump in 2016 just so you all know so really i'm just saying so i need to oh boy i'd like to see that proof i need you to elaborate on if people disagree with you they're racist just in general i was just kidding. he's just yeah uh, yeah you never know just like that kind of it's, sorry if i triggered you i'm sorry you made no, a point you made a point okay. uh, a couple of minutes back where you said um he just kind of says these things to rile up his base um why does he need to do that at the expense of black people then? He doesn't do that at the... I, have, oh, I am a Lord. member of his base, and I'm sitting there like, oh, man, this is amazing. And I don't know, you can call me self-hating, so you can call me self So you're saying you call calling for the I'm public execution of five black men that were exonerated to when rile up his base. When has he done that during the campaign trail? He didn't do that when he was a politician. Well, he again, did that when he was a it's everything, in New York it's everything Steve said about the comments about... Yeah, he's conflating two different moments in history and merging them together. Like I said, explained. That was then with the information they had then. Since now... I mean, like, come on, man. And there was nothing to say that Donald Trump literally was only saying that because those guys were black. You know, Donald Trump may have felt the same way about white kids who he felt like had done the same thing.
about yeah. Muslims, the comments about uh, Mexican immigrants. Why does never he about Mexican immigrants, never about Muslims, about terrorists and about criminals and rapists. I, These are very important delineations to make. And if you believe I that, think what you understand the media about, or, oh, it's all Mexican it's, immigrants, I think it's more of you being, oh, man, oh, these poor Mexicans, they need to be supported. It's more of that savior complex. Savior. Wow, we're back in. What was the rationale behind axing or trying to ax DACA? Were those, these people were registered with the federal government. They were in school. They were doing everything that they needed to do. They had no home elsewhere. They were brought into this country as minors. Like, what's the explanation for I that? I think like, that requires more nuance. Like I mentioned before, I think there were some people, education. I think there were some people feeding him bad policy advice, thinking, oh, this will be really good for your... Yeah, uh, the issue, I, I, I was always iffy on that DACA situation. Like, uh, look, there, there, there are people who come to this country illegally. And then there are other people who are trying to get into this country illegally. The first thing you should do is control the border. Stop the flow. And once you stop the flow, then we have to, you know, focus in on what exactly do we do about the people that's here? Um, are they being a benefit to our country? Are they trying to better themselves? How do they play into the broader community and exactly what we can do to, you know, keep that going? Are they embracing, you know, certain values that can be beneficial to us as Americans in general and themselves? And what about those people who are here illegally, who are participating in criminal behavior and things of that sort? Those are the people that should be sent back or held responsible in our own uh, justice system, but there's never no broad answer that you can do. But I, 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 as far as the DACA situation goes, I, I don't necessarily think I can ever get behind just like deporting people, you know, just because they happen to be here illegally if they're doing the right thing and they're already been here for decades or years or whatever the case may be. Uh, call me soft or have a soft spot for that. But at the same time, I'm just looking at it from a realistic perspective and what's the best thing to do as a country and who we want to be. You know, uh, savior complex that is right there. Yeah, that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of savior complex going on. Your base, and he's doing a lot as a president. That's okay. Him. That's okay if we feel that way. But so, so if so if I so if I take responsibility for something, if I say he has responsibility for something, well then you're right. But if I'm saying, well maybe there is some people around him advising him fal falsely, Dude, it's infantilizing. He him. was the president. There's no good way. He to called this the shots. What are you talking about? <laughs> only path forward to solving illegal immigration starts with amnesty for everybody here. The reality is there's some 10 to 15 million illegal immigrants here. We're not deporting them all. With the people who are already here, it, that's a lot. Yeah, we're not deporting all of them, and nor should we. Also, the massive amount of resources and effort it will take to do that, the amount of terror you will inflict on the communities, trying to root out every illegal immigrant to send them home. Now, if they get locked up or if they get caught doing something and we find out that they're illegal, then maybe we deport them. But other than that, trying to hunt down people in their homes or at their jobs and try to force them over to the border, I just don't see that as being productive, especially if there are a lot of people here we have to be able to differ differentiate between the people that's harming the country and people who are just trying to live their lives better themselves and in turn better the country as well. It's not a one size fits all. More of a messy, nuanced conversation. Um, but as far as people coming in, I do think we need stronger seven, borders seven, and actual like vetting right, happening. And I just want to say, um, in, in Ronald mm -hmm. Reagan's day, he was given the promise. He was he said, look, if if you go ahead and you pass this particular bill. We'll give these people amnesty and we're done. And it, it didn't happen. We didn't. Uh, uh, illegal immigration continued even after Reagan already said we will give these people amnesty. So that's why we get a burr up our butt because um, he had already done it. Hopefully the devil is giving him amnesty. True. That's, that's oh, terrible. That's, no, that's oh, no, that's my God. If you're going to pop a joke, you better be right on point, man. That's all I can say. You better be on point. Base, thank you. Tasteless.
Tasteless. No. Ninth circle, baby. Wow. My political beliefs have changed from the past. I mean, everybody should answer that. Like, I, I mean, grew up in a conservative household, actually, in Ohio. And uh, my parents were always pretty political, so I'm, uh, I always stayed political. I was very religious uh, as a teenager. Uh, sometime during college and then afterwards, especially during COVID, um, my sister actually indoctrinated me into uh, a more leftist uh, position. And uh, I overcorrected a little bit. I started becoming pretty cringy as far as like, you know, sit down and let, you know, let the minorities all talk, right? Um, <laughs> don't say anything, don't speak over them, et cetera. They would, you know, it was like the whole, you can't speak over Candace Owens, even if she's literally a Nazi kind of thing. So. Um, oh my God, this man is the worst. Look, man, we, look, I know some liberals who probably ain't in the spotlight and they don't really have like, you know, YouTube channel, the podcast, but they're pretty reasonable and they know how to have a conversation with people they disagree with. They know which line across and which one don't. This guy pretty much doesn't know the line. Look, Kenneth Owens is not a Nazi. I don't even like everything that Kenneth Owens does or says, but she's not a Nazi, bro. She's not. She's she's far from it, but gosh. Um, I... <laughs> I'd, I stand by that. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of leveled out, thankfully, and I'm less cringe now. And... Did you? Are you? <laughs> I right. This is leveled yeah. out. Imagine right. You can, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe I am being cringe. Who cares? I, I um, so I grew up conservative, but I did have more left-leaning ideas about like Makes Black sense, Lives right. Matter and critical race theory. And I was kind of I was watching a lot of YouTube, <laughs> and you know, I did agree that Black people were oppressed and all of these different things, and that we were kind of got the short end of the stick. And um, during 2020 when there was, you know, everything crazy was happening. And I started uh, organizing rallies against uh, the mandates because I thought that they were just totally unconstitutional and un-American. And then George Floyd dies. And initially I was like enraged like everybody else. And then it started to become this weird like um, political like agenda masquerading or behind his face. <laughs> like it just, the face of what was actually happening started to peel off and I was like oh I mean I would counter protest BLM activists at my town square when I lived in Texas and they were some of the most just bitter vile horrible people you could ever meet meanwhile like the confederate group that would protest there against them also they were like the nicest people ever to me mm -hmm. ironically I grew up in a, dem in a democratic not a democratic household but kind of a apolitical but everybody was democrat and then I, I, I got a job and when i got a job and i saw all the taxes come out and then right. i started looking so yeah the jump back on uh, uh like the candace on situation right uh yeah the dude is cringe uh kevin says i kind of agree candace is not a nazi but she is a grifter look this 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 is my unfiltered take on Candace Owens, right? I don't necessarily talk about Candace Owens or many other black conservatives like specifically too much. Um, but my take on Candace Owens is Candace Owens found a niche and she's fulfilling that niche, even though sometimes I do think it's detrimental to her image. And, and the reason I say that is because like the Daily Wire, I think the Daily Wire is a necessary alternative, you know, place for people to go who don't necessarily buy into the liberal ideology and they need a place that they can go and talk to somebody about their own ideas. I'm not necessarily for bubbles, but they are offering a service that can counteract a lot of the other liberal media. Now, with that being said, though, there are certain things that I don't like about the, the Daily Wire. Um, and most of it is doing to like, They'll pick at certain things 
not because it's important to pick at, but because they know how to get clicks, because they know how to get attention. And Candace Owens has bought in fully with that. And you notice that with, when it came to Kanye West, you know, Candace Owens was friends with Kanye West. And the moment Kanye West went on his little uh, Hitler situation and uh, the Jew situation, then, you know, Candace Owens really kind of like allowed Ben Shapiro and them to kind of like shut her down on that. And she just kind of went along with it because simply those are the people that pay her bills. Say what you want about it, but I think she's necessary. She has an important voice. She highlights certain things that need to be said and need to be talked about. But sometimes you can see the money trail leaning heavily into what she decides to cover or where she's willing to go. And also, I need my conservative people to criticize conservatives. I need y'all to hold each other accountable. I need y'all to challenge each other's ideas on a wide variety of different things. And sometimes you just don't get enough of that. And I need that on the liberal side as well. I need the liberals to challenge other liberals. And some liberals are doing it. Some conservatives are doing it. But we need more friction amongst our own ranks in order for us to grow and to be better and to hold ourselves accountable. And I just feel like it's not enough of that being done. You know, now I know somebody's going to say, well, you didn't see when Ben Shapiro called out Tucker Carlson on this. Look, I see it. And sometimes it does happen. Sometimes it does happen. But sometimes I feel like it doesn't happen enough on certain issues. And I don't know what to do with that. I don't run a multi-million dollar company. So I don't necessarily know how to keep the bills um, paid and the lights on. I'm talking from a limited place. So by all means, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. But I'm just telling you how I feel and how I see it. You know what I mean? Uh, catch up. Um, I just think labeling anyone for their opinions is wrong. Opinions are important to share, even if they are wrong. That's how learning works. Facts. They, they, they not picking, uh, let's see. They're not picked to distract from the information. Well, a lot in my opinion, so true. Money talks. Haha. I never steal MAGA falling. <laughs> Tim pool is a liberal, but nowadays he's considered a conservative. So what does that mean about parties in 2024? The, the labels don't mean anything. It, it doesn't mean anything like there are people who think that if you're not going to vote for Donald Trump, you're not a conservative. There are liberals who think that if you're not supporting Biden, you're not liberal. Or if you're supporting Biden, you're not truly liberal. Like the labels are so convoluted that you don't really know what sense to make of it. So let's stop fighting over the labels. Where do you stand on this issue? Are you pro-life, pro-choice? How do you feel about affirmative action? Like, let's focus on the issue. You know what I mean? That's what that, that's that's where I'm at. Can we change the term liberal conservative to normal? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I think everybody should have some conservative position, some liberal position, and that might vary depending on the individual. But I think that uh, there's too many issues for you not to fall on the conservative side on certain issues and not to fall on the liberal side on certain issues. But it's tribalism left and to the right and go, oh, my money's whittling away over here. And I said, you know what? After Reagan, I'm just going to go ahead and declare myself a Republican. And I've been a Republican ever since. I want to vote my for a middle class my, She married my stepdad yep. when I was like 15, 16 in high school. And he's super conservative, like love Trump, diehard Trump fan. And um, they had a lot of like back and forth <laughs> hearing the two sides, like people who are on such polar opposites, just like argue all the time about stuff, seeing that there's a lot of similarities in both sides. And don't be afraid of calling yourself a centrist. Like, uh, just because you're a centrist don't mean that you don't have an opinion or a thought on one issue or the other. It could just mean that 
you have different ideas about different things, but you don't necessarily fall in one camp or the other camp. You're more concerned with what are the issues I care about and where am I willing to compromise in order to get some of the things that I want that can make you a center. You can be center, right? You can be center left. It, it, like it's a, it's a sliding scale on where you can fall on so many different things. And you got to embrace that. You got to embrace that shit. Don't let anybody bully you and tell you that you have to pick a side. You don't. Sides like the far radical left and the far radical right, they have a lot of similarities. They just don't want to come and like see it. I started off actually kind of similar to you. I went to a Jesuit high school. Um, I grew up very conservative. My mom uh, is Cuban, so ride or die Bush supporter, who is now a ride or die um, Trump supporter. I think the point of my life when I was the most like libertarian was probably the lowest point of my life financially. And I think it's because something that conservatives do really well is they make you feel like you can always like succeed as long as you work hard enough. And that's something that progressives and liberals suck at, that you're a victim of systemic racism, you're black so you're gonna be discriminated against, you're a woman so nobody's gonna care about your feelings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Republicans will tell you, listen, if you work hard, you can do whatever you want, like just as long as you're willing to put in the work. And I felt that way up to the moment where I was losing my house, where I had an ex-girlfriend that was pregnant, where I had been fired from my previous job. There was a whole bunch of horrible stuff going on in my life. And I very, very luckily got into online content creation. And from there, as I started to make more money, I started to pay more taxes. When I get older and I look at taxes that come out of my paycheck, oh, um, I just, I mean, I care a little bit, but it was just so funny to me that back when I was making 15, 20,000 a year, I'm like, I gotta vote for the lower tax bracket, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm barely paying any taxes anyways. And you know, now that I'm older, like if the government wants to take, you know, a few, you know, 10, 20, whatever, how many more but thousand you, dollars out. You just said you worked hard. So I did, but I got very, very, very lucky doing so. Very lucky. Do you think it's just luck? It's not just luck, but the difference is that born into a wealthier family, you can make so many more mistakes in life. And when you're born poor, you get like one or two before your life is over. And that's all right. I can accept that. But let's look at the flip side of that. When you're rich, now let's analyze the statement. When you're rich, you can make way more mistakes than the person that's poor. And there's some there's some truth to that. Your mistakes are not as detrimental when you come from a family with wealth or money versus the person who does it. Because when you're at the bottom, a mistake could be life or death. A mistake could mean that you're in a hole for six months to a year or whatever trying to climb out. Yeah, that is true. But let's also look at the flip side of that. When you come from an environment where every decision you make can make or break you, you would argue that those people should really be hyper-focused on making the right decisions. You can't afford to make mistakes. But why do so many people in bad situations keep making bad decisions? Is it that they're not being held accountable for it? Is it because they come from a culture that has flipped the script and allowed them to be glorified because of it or to pat them on the back and say it's okay to be that way? Uh, like... <sighs> I knew coming from my background that I had to try extra hard to not be the guy I used to be. And I did that. I had to make the decisions because I knew that if I made mistakes, that it was going to be worse for me. But that made me a better person because of it. It made me more responsible. It made me more alert. It made me think about things before I acted on them. Like you have to be able to say that, yeah, I might have a level of character built inside of me that the average person who grew up in a rich family doesn't because I grew up, I matured faster than they did. I understood what life could bring my way and I adapted to it. A lot of these people who come from these families, when they hit with real extreme hardship, they don't know how to cope with it. They don't know how to manage. And sometimes you need to, you know, get in the mud and get a little dirty sometimes in order to really appreciate the things you do have. So, I mean, look, if I had to argue which one is better, maybe becoming from a, a, a healthy household with a lot of money is better. But there can be some advantages if you allow it to be.
You know what I mean? People must make mistakes. So it's not money that allows that. It's the person, will, and what they are willing to endure to fulfill their dreams to me. Yeah, uh, as long as it don't break you. You know, you, you, you got to make do with what you got. Kenneth says, you aren't handed opportunity because who mommy and daddy knows. Yeah, and sometimes getting opportunity because of who you know can be the worst thing for you. I was in a boy's home and abandoned as a child, and that's definitely not accurate either. Yes, but the family money buys them out of it. It does. The uh the family money can be a cushion. But let me let me let me uh explain something. Like I know guys who are like 35, 40 years old who still live with their mom or still can't get married or still won't move out and still won't get a job. And you know why? Because their mother who lives in the government housing always has a room for them. Will never kick them out and allow them to go out there and sink a sink or swim. So they have that level of security, which doesn't cause them to reach for the stars and to overcome that. Now, does that apply across the board? Probably not. But it's real that people take advantage of the safety cushion that they have, which hinders them from making the progress or to expire, uh, to aspire to be better than they are today. Because they know that if they fail or if they don't try as hard, they'll be fine regardless. You know? Uh, y'all, if y'all watching right now, make sure y'all hit the like button. I need those like buttons hit. You know, uh, let me know y'all enjoying the show. Uh, mental health is a deciding factor in my opinion. Mental health has a lot to play with it. I don't think that we do enough in this country to focus on some of the mental health issues that people are facing. And we have to start figuring out how we can do that without enabling people. Some people blame everything on mental health and you can't do that either. I had way more opportunity and support than my girlfriend who had way more drive and desire to rise up than I did. Determination only takes you so far. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's a mixed bag. I think for some people, determination is going to be 40% or 60%, whether it makes or break them for other people, it's going to be 20%, uh, depending on the situation you are in, depending on your personality type, depending on the resources that you have available to you, depending on, uh, how you receive information, your intelligent level. There are so many different factors that can play into it. Uh, I think that most people will argue that there should be a base minimum that people can fall below. Uh, but Ultimately, I think you can never satisfy everybody, but what you can do is try to get majority of the people on the right path. And now we got to ask ourselves, what is the way that we can best ensure that majority of people can reach a level of success that they deem worthy, even if we can't help everybody? All right, I'm going back to the video. Hold on, let me catch up with y'all real quick. Uh... So it's fair to say babying someone is not good for them on the long term. Yeah, there has to be, at some point, you have to remove the safety net. Don't know when that is, but at some point, you got to. I don't think that food stamps, government housing, or any of that stuff should come with without restrictions. There should be some level of attachment there to say, hey, we expect something of you. If we're going to give you our tax dollars to buy food or get government housing, I expect you to, you know, look for a job. I expect for you to buy the healthy food for your family. I expect you to do certain things. There should be a level of responsibility there att attached to that. Uh, and you can't just give it away and just hope for the best. I don't think it's baby in society to try to eliminate monetary barriers to success. I don't think so either. I think a hundred percent, we should always try to remove any barriers that make hinder somebody just because they come from a certain environment or share a certain skin color. But that's different from just giving people stuff and saying that they don't have to give anything in return. That's not what your country could do for you, but what you could do for your country. You know what I mean? Uh, 
I have watched less intelligent and less competent people my entire life get handed repeated opportunities that so many more people are qualified for. Then they pretend they earned it. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's a big thing. Uh, people love to think they're self-made, but not everybody's self-made. If, if, if rarely anybody's self-made. Uh, out of here, guys. It's after 11 p.m. here. I love the show. Good night. Good night, Kevin, man. Take it easy, brother. Uh, but are the other people willing to take the opportunities in front of them? Most times people want specific opportunities only. Even heard the saying, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, uh, let's talk about all the opportunities that let people let pass up every day. Sometimes there's opportunities staring you right in the face and people overlook it or let it pass them by because they're not trained to see it or because they're not motivated when they should be. Uh, life is just complicated. Back to the video. <laughs> it's really sad to me. Yeah, so I used to be a liberal. I voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016, as much as I regret that now. Um, my family was pretty <laughs> left-wing. Some of the people in my family were, like, radically left, like, would refer to white people as blue-eyed, red-headed devils, things of that nature. And as I got older, I actually started being really outspoken for BLM. I was supposed to be on a reality show teaching people how to be a BLM activist. At the time, I did a deep dive on BLM, and I started to realize all of these lies. So then I took a step back. I'm like, okay, what else am I being lied to about? And I started looking at the Democratic Party and questioning my own loyalty to being on the left. Oh, no, I personally think both sides out. tend to be racist in different ways. Um, I don't think the government is on the side of the people in general, and that's just me being, you know, a radical. Uh, when I was young, I used to jump for joy and say, oh, yeah, Obama, black. If the government is not on the side of the people, then the people are not on the side of the people. Because the government is the people that we elect. The government is the government that we allow to exist and we establish. The government by the people for the people. The government is huge. A lot of problems are out of our hands. There are certain things that we as individual citizens just can't accomplish on our own. But at the same time, the government has gotten so big and so complicated that it's nearly damn near impossible for us to actually implement some of the changes we would like to see that would actually make the country better. I don't know what to do with that. If you're not willing to get radical and overthrow the government and establish a new one, I don't really know how you get back from where we are today. Because the people in power and the people we keep electing to be in power have no incentive to actually change certain things that would make a major difference. I, I just... Uh, I think I asked uh, David Smalley when I was on his show, uh, I was like, okay, uh, if you're telling me that the system is broken and that everything is wrong and you can't vote to change it because you keep trying to vote to change it, but nothing ever changes, then what's your alternative? Revolution? Because it, it, if, if you keep telling me to vote and nothing ever changes, I don't see another alternative. And if you're not willing to go there, why are you wasting your time telling me to vote? You know, like, we keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Insanity, right? Black president, that's so amazing. He's the same color as me. But when I started to do more research, one of the biggest things I was confused about is, well, why is he a Democrat? What is a Democrat? I did more research about the Democrat party. Right, this is an interesting comment I got to read. Uh, David says, uh, I generally hear a hundred times more about people being labeled victims within conservative circles than I do from liberal content creators. I want to address this because it is so true. There are a lot of conservatives claiming victimhood these days. Victimhood has spread in the conservative party massively and people try to ignore it. I'm not ignoring it. I can't click on a lot of conservative content these days without saying, look what they're doing to us. Look what they're doing to me. And you know, they're messing everything up. They're taking away my rights. They're silencing me. They're censoring me. They're like, okay. Uh, you might not think that's playing a victim, but that's playing a victim. 
I hate to say it, but if you're always pointing at some bigger entity imposing on your life and forcing you not to be as successful as you want to be and trying to tear you down, you're playing a victim card. Now, I don't know how you address issues head on and, and, and alert people about what's going on without being a victim, but there has to be a way to do that. They are called chunk flakes. <laughs> Which you're probably right on that. For me, David, honestly, it's not a uh, party line. It's a mindset. Yeah, it's a mindset. And the victimhood mindset has been spreading. It is spreading. The culture war is killing us mentally. A lot of people don't realize we can't keep fighting. The Look, the culture war is not a culture war. It's a political war. People keep calling it a culture war, but it's really a political war. Because every time somebody complains about something that's happening in the culture, what is their solution to fixing it? We got to elect this person. We got to get this policy implemented. We got to change the people running this system. It's a political war. It's not a culture war. Because if you can't fix it within the culture, what you're really arguing is that only politics can fix it. So you're fighting over the politics. You guys are going to pop off about the head saying, oh, there's a party switch in the Southern strategy and all these things. Which is true. Which you may say is true. I don't believe it is true at all. You're I wrong. understand, you know, you may think I'm wrong. You are. However, one of the biggest questions I had was why is Obama in the same party as the people that started the KKK, the same people that voted against the Civil Rights Act, the same people that are on the news talking about how black people aren't able to accomplish anything and need to be on welfare and need to be promoted uh, with affirmative action and things of that nature. I also, in terms of, I guess, of my political journey, um, I was uh, raised conservative, actually. Um, and then um, high school became, I guess, sort of apolitical. Uh, and then throughout college and I guess just throughout my life since then, um, I think I've, I guess, you can call me a progressive, you can call me, you know, socialist, whatever you, um, but um, I guess that's, I guess, in the area of where I fall. Um, you said that you were um, a Bernie fan in 2016 and then you transitioned to being, I guess, more conservative. Um, I guess, I don't know, to me, Bernie Sanders, um, from what he said to what you think now, what was the the shift? Um, for me, it was socialism because back then I was a very broke college kid and I just had this mentality that everything should be free and I was feeling a bit entitled, like everything should be handed to me because I was black because <laughs> I was very much in the Oh my God. As I learned the more about cracks. free markets, as I learned more <laughs> about capitalism, I started to appreciate that much more. I started to appreciate small business much more, um, limited government, low regulations. I just started to like that much more. All right, here's the thing, right? And I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guilty of this, right? I'm guilty of this. See, Sometime in the in in the, in this previous year, I switched more from being a hardline like conservative-minded person to being more of a free thought person, like uh, clear pill, focus on the issues. I'm not picking sides. I'm focused mainly on what I think about particular issues. I'm not. I don't care about the liberal conservative paradigm. I don't care. Right. But one thing I learned that I had spent so much time as a conservative that I found it very hard to make arguments against conservatives. I had spent majority of my time crafting my arguments against the left that I somehow became biased in my critiques. So when it came to, look, I had genuine concerns about some of the things that was happening in the conservative party, but I hadn't trained myself to be able to express those ideas in a, in a complex way as I could against the liberals. And I had to wrestle with that. I'm like, yo, for me to be as intelligent as I am and to have my deep level of thinking, even I wrestle with properly 
criticizing people that I align with more than the other side. I had to face that. I spent a lot of time thinking like, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't even know how to make a video these days sometimes because I don't exactly know how to contextualize what I'm trying to get out because now I'm in a different position and I'm looking at things from the outside. So uh, you don't have to adopt this one package. When you become a conservative or when you become a liberal, there is a package that people want you to accept. Oh, if you call yourself a liberal, you must be pro-choice. You must be more taxes. You must be bigger government. You must be pro-Black Lives Matter. Like, there's a package. And then in the, in the liberal package, it is like, it could be you, you have to believe in God or you have to believe in low taxes, smaller government. Like, you don't have to buy into the package. But more, nine times out of ten, if a person tells you that they're liberal or conservative, then you can, in, in one way or the other, kind of already know where they stand on most positions. And it shouldn't be that way. But I would say just more when it comes to economics. I don't agree with him. <laughs> That's why I love destroying both sides. <laughs> Straight up. Free thought is the only... When we talk about reparations, I think that doing reparations in the way that a lot of people think of it, where we just give it to black people. I'm not an expert on this, but I think it would be more income-based, and that in itself, like I said earlier, uh, would uh, yeah. disproportionately benefit black people because if you recognize that they are disproportionately uh, affected uh, by a systemic injustice, then doing it on like a class... All right, when reparations are necessary, they ask the question, is reparations necessary? When you sit your ass down to talk about if reparations are necessary, either side, I don't care if you're conservative, liberal, whatever. If you agree with the idea that reparations are necessary, I need to know this. What is your plan for implementing reparations? How much is enough? How many people get it? How do you decide who's worthy of it? Where does the funds come from? How long does the funds go out? Like, what kind of results are we expecting to see once reparations are completed? I need to, like, give me something solid. Reparations has become like this invisible ideal that's floating in the air that a lot of people think is a good idea, but don't necessarily know how to put their hand on it and make it something real. What do you mean by reparations? And exactly how do you plan on achieving what you're achieving? And once you've achieved it, what are the results you're expecting? I, I, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Level would uplift proportionally more black people than white people or think, any other race. Yeah, I think like the, um, mostly like <laughs> black GIs that were left out of like the New Deal, for instance, um, that to be able to come back and um, as a white American, as a white veteran to get um, a home loan and then build that generational wealth, um, you could not get that as a black American. Um, so there needs to be, I think reparations, I don't care really what form it comes from. Uh, I think free healthcare, uh, free college, so that everyone has like an equal opportunity to, um, uh, to educate themselves, to build a better life for themselves. Um, so it's sort of like, uh, and I think um, Germany is also a perfect model to follow, um, you know, by- Nah, uh, okay, as a black man, all right, y'all wanna run, y'all wanna go down this road, all right. They want to go down this road. As a black man, I feel that if you're going to give reparations, I want $10 billion. That's the only acceptable number, in my opinion. $10 billion. And since I'm a black man, because my skin is black, I have the ultimate authority to say how much is enough. And I say $10 billion for me 
And you ain't even got to give it to all black people. You just got to give it to me because then I feel like reparations is achieved. That's a problem because every different black person who believe in reparations is going to have a different idea of what's enough and what's the right way. You're running into some hell of a situation because we're not the people that are directly impacted by what happened in history. We're, we, we wasn't the actual direct victims of it. We can't really measure how much of an impact it has had on each single individual because we're not talking to the people it directly happened to. You know, it, it's messy. But I think I've already spelled out to y'all what my reparations idea would be. If we're going to do reparations, I say uh, once you go down and you can qualify for being a certain percentage of black and we can chase uh, your lineage back to a certain degree, then that person should be able to live tax-free and their descendants tax-free for at least 300 years. No taxes. That way you're not taking from somebody and also you empowering that person economically. All right. All right. Uh, there are some from right to left, MAGA, conservative, Republican, moderate, right, centrist, moderate, left, Democrat, and liberal people using two, third, two three labels and it's not proper. Yeah. Uh, repar reparations may be made since 100 years ago, but that promise was made and failed. And our economic disparities are now much more difficult than color and the skin and your skin and who your ancestors were. Yeah, it, it's too complicated right now. Uh, Kenneth, uh, message retracted. Let me ask you this, Javi. What is $10 billion when companies who have the most rights have trillions, which is a thousand percent more? So even 10 billion is crumbs in that regard. It, it's never enough, bro. That's, that's my point. It's never going to be enough. How many millionaires or billionaires we have that didn't start out that way? Didn't come from multi-rich, multi-millionaire families. Like, you know, how do you, you know, I don't disagree, David, and misread it at the first. You know, uh, you know, y'all make sure y'all hit the like button. If y'all ain't hit the like button, please hit the like button. If you want to tip, tip your boy, buy your boy a coffee, or become a member of the channel. You become a member of the channel. I'm finna get the Monday memberships going where I do live streams for the members only. And I'm taking music video reaction ideas. I'm reacting to the videos you recommend, all of that sort. So, and it's going to be for members only. And then I'll do my other live streams for everybody. And I'm probably going to start bringing guests on for that and having conversations with people as far as that goes. But definitely support the show. It helps me keep the bills paid. This Wi-Fi can get expensive. Don't issuing, first of all, a formal apology, um, which we haven't even done that. Um, but also just like um, donating to like different uh funds yep. and you know just i think a more equitable society striving for that is uh reparations in and of itself even definitely disagree with the reparations i have no problems with reparations if they had happened initially during the like slavery or the civil rights movement or any of that mm. but to try and do that now logistically just doesn't really make any sense and like where would this money come from like we're in so much debt as a nation would i get this money i'm biracial or triracial like do mixed people get it and like do irish people get reparations when they were indentured servants i think for reparations if you can find specific instances of somebody being like actually deprived of something um whether specific instances of like the 40 acres and a meal process uh promise or whether you can find specific entrance uh uh, cases of like Chinese people building railroads or Irish people or whatever people being deprived of things that's okay but otherwise yeah it's a logistical nightmare there's no possible way that we'd be able to do it well yeah. you know I, I've had a conversation uh, like a week ago about reparations and about what 
the country owes to black people or something of that sort and people felt like they owed black people this i don't know i might be wrong about this but mistake uh, correct me if i'm wrong but reparations is a european concept has any other country outside of europeans paid reparations like is has there ever been an african country that paid reparations to anybody that their ancestors did something to who was the first what was the first country to pay reparations i'm interested uh because now uh we're, we're begging for something that isn't even something that most people even conceived of until um the first reparation the first country to pay reparations i, I really want to know that first country to pay reparations I'm curious germany germany the treaty of versailles uh in 1921 london scheduled a payment required germany to pay 132 billion gold marks so uh germany was the first country to uh pay reparations so that's a european concept you know uh so now we feel like we're old something based off of what white people decided that they was going to do at one point you know what i mean yeah, that's never really uh, who's to say, you know. Uh, it's just you can never really. It, it's reparations are so messy. I just wish we would stop talking about it. Uh, let's just if you're poor, if you're, you're struggling in this country, let's just find ways to help those people, please. Can we just focus on that? I think really once we start empowering anybody below a certain poverty line and helping them get to where they need to go, a lot of the shit that we quabbling about will probably dissipate. Yeah, America's unique because we have bent over backwards for decades now, putting minorities in a position of privilege. I feel like we have done so much to give back to the communities that were obviously wronged. And I agree with both of you. Like, had this happened a long time ago, I would understand it. If we had specific incidences that we could trace where people were just completely screwed over, I would respect it. But right now, I don't deserve a payment for something my great-great-great-great-grandparents went through. And I don't think that white people are responsible for paying that to me either. Yeah, because I, I, once you go down that path, then you got to admit... Like, like, okay, the sins of the father are inherited by the son and the daughter, right? So you how how can you apply that logically in so many different areas? Well, your daddy robbed my daddy, and that made my daddy a hundred dollars less. So now you as his son owe me a hundred dollars. Where where can where can you take this concept? You know, because you want to be uh intellectually consistent in your ideas. You want whatever logical path you took to get to a certain outcome you should be able to apply that in many different areas and understand yeah it works there it, you know it works it, it's, it's it's consistent but a lot of people aren't that consistent when it comes to how they see policies i know we don't want to use the vir word virtue signaling but it's sort of like a bribe for a vote in a, in a way at least in my opinion in states like california where they've been throwing around the idea of oh we want to yeah, pay look this it much up money to you. every black citizen in there uh, in this state it's like Oh, are, are you serious? Because this is kind of like a, a joke, in my opinion. I think that if you, if we impose or, yeah, impose reparations now, I think it would rip America apart. I think that we're already separated enough as it is, and now you're going to have people walking around going, you owe me money, you owe me money, I'm not paying you any money. <laughs> it would just really rip us apart. Giving somebody money doesn't mean anything if they don't know what to do with the money or how to handle it. Oh, money. yeah. So I, I brought that up earlier, if y'all weren't watching at the time. Yeah, like, if I give you all the tools to go fishing, but you don't know how to fish, it don't mean nothing. You might as well be holding a rock. You know? 
you got to pair that with education. You got to pair that with some kind of uh, some some kind of skill set or, or something that the person can know how to manage their money financially in a in 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 the best path forward, generational wealth and how to you know. The primary issue in black culture or with black people is generational trauma. Then maybe they need more therapy than they need money. Honestly. Which conservatives are also against. Well, that's kind of my argument. Like, if there is like that, like. Are conservatives against therapy? Hold on. This guy, this guy, right? This guy. Uh, uh, I was. Uh, I, I'm, I gotta look that up. I gotta look that up. Uh, are conservatives? Cause maybe, maybe I'm just ignorant. Are conservatives against therapy? And maybe uh, uh, psychology today, the therapist dilemma, political neutrality or disclosure. Many conservatives are reluctant to seek mental health treatment because of politics. So conservatives are reluctant to seek mental health treatment because of politics. Psychology and mental health are predominantly liberal fields. Mental health treatment should. So I, I, I don't necessarily think conservatives think therapy doesn't work or that people shouldn't get therapy. I think uh, a lot of conservatives are hesitant to go to therapy or to take up fields in therapy. <laughs> Give me money to go fishing. I'm going to buy a Rick Morning boat. She's got a point. I guess increasing funding for mental health services, probably. That, that, that may be true. That may be true. Uh, uh, conservatives might not be in favor of allocating more funds towards mental health. I do know that the only conservatives I really do hear talk about mental health are people who are strongly pro 2A and advocate on it on a regular basis. Those are the type of people that will really push mental health. Like, we need more mental health in this country. It's not the gun. It's the mental health. You know, but let's talk about mental health in all different facets of life, not just because you're trying to support the Second Amendment and, and turn people against focusing on the gun. Let, let's probably talk more about it. But I can see a little hesitancy on why conservatives might be against mental health because of the trans conversation. And a lot of people feel like the trans conversation has become one of those mental health ideas to where the mental health industry is being biased or being turned to come to certain conclusions. Over That may be one of the things that might be causing the biggest rift between conservatives and liberals and why conservatives might be a little against mental health more generational trauma or whatever like i think examples of like free health care um it, they could see a therapist and not be you know fall into debt and i think the argument of like the logistical nightmares of it i think if we want to pay for something in this country we usually find a way to do it especially when it comes to the military mm -hmm. so um it, i mean we pay for multi-billion dollar it's, it's jets the all the dollars, time. It's who's supposed to get them. Yeah. Not to attack progressives, but th that is like the most progressive idea in the world is like, I can see the headlines, like reparations voted on in Congress to be paid in the form of free therapy for people in the hood. That just sounds like the funniest <laughs> Thing in the world, but, well, I also don't think it's going to come directly from like, you know, white person to black person. Like, oh, you, you, um, your lineage uh, affected his lineage. It is, though. Like in San Francisco, they were going to raise the average family or the average household in San Francisco was expected to pay $600,000 each with the $5 million per black person proposal that they had. And I used to live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I was repulsed by that because you have so many.
All right, so oftentimes we get proposals from certain people and parties that are ludicrous, but it doesn't necessarily represent the entire party itself. So you're going to get a lot of proposals from Democrats, a lot of proposals from Republicans that might seem outrageous, but broadly the people in that party don't support it, which is the reason why a lot of these policies don't ever get passed. So, uh, but it does make it look bad because a person can always quote that as like, oh, they wanted to do this, you know, and you got to be very careful to say who wanted to do this, like name names and point out exactly who's pushing for that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just by the way to let y'all know that I am uh, tied to discord in the Hobby Lobby voice chat so if you are a member of discord uh, I will be giving certain people permission to join me on my live streams and you can just be in the discord voice chat room and we can talk during the live stream uh, for those people that I know would make great conversations and people who will probably show up a lot uh, so just letting y'all know some of the changes I made I hope y'all enjoying my OBS setup uh, you know, it took me a, a couple weeks to get this thing set up the way I wanted it. So I hope y'all like my little guy over here in the corner. Just giving y'all updates about it. You know, yeah, yeah. So many homeless veterans on the streets and they were going to give black people a home for as little as $1 just for being black. Mind you, slavery Shit. wasn't even in California. Shit. So why that was going to be the case, like I don't understand, but it's extremely unrealistic to think Shit. that the average family in San Francisco can afford that. So I'm moving to California. A house for a dollar? Nah, I'm look. I got goals. I got morals and values. I just can't take advantage of something because it would benefit me personally if it is the wrong thing. If I believe that it's harmful to society. But like, some people just want a free ride. I think not everybody who argues for reparations are looking for a free ride. But there are some people who like the idea of reparations because it's free. They like, oh, oh, I'm just gonna get a bundle of money and I ain't gotta work again, or I ain't gotta, you know, work hard. Like, there are some people out there like that. I've heard people personally say, man, they give me a check, boy. Y'all ain't gonna see me again, but I'm gonna go buy me a big old house and I'm gonna live out my life doing this. I'm gonna, like, you know, some people just like that idea. We can't, you know. Newsom wants to get reelected. <laughs> okay, but you don't really Precisely. care about homeless veterans, right? That's, like, that's you, don't, you don't support idea. You don't know me. Like all your this man is crazy, bro. <laughs> Destiny sitting in the middle laughing like this fool just said, you don't really care. You don't know this man's life. <laughs> David, man, come get your peoples, man. Come get your peoples, bro. I can hop on in a few minutes. All right, yeah. I, I would like you to hop on after I finish the video. That way I can get through it. <laughs> About homeless veterans, right? Like, Okay, what policies do you support? You know what I'm saying? Like, that that would be pretty good. You feel me? Uh, Fluffy. What's up, brother? Hey, brother. What's good with you? I, uh, you won't be able to hit a video if I play it. What's up with you? <laughs> you, you, you enjoying this? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I was able to catch it and stuff, so I'm just here. Just hanging out with you, my man. For sure, for sure. Let me uh share the video to your um uh, to Discord. That way you can hear it as well. Uh, uh, that way you ain't got to play it on your phone or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I had I had to learn this yesterday. Uh, when I was dealing with uh Wisp when he was on. 
share screen application uh let's see get it put up here i'm a little slow on it but i, I don't get the hang of it uh there we go all right let's go live all right you should be able to hear it now yeah, don't worry. We'll get y'all trained up on Discord, buddy. Yeah, man. I meant to reach out to you so, uh, you know, you can walk me through some of this OBS stuff, man. I figured out a lot of it on my own, but, you know, uh, I wanted to make sure I had somebody who had been dealing with it for a while. You know? All right. So yeah, You got this. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Let's say that we didn't find a middle ground in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but you can hear it, right? Yes, sir. All right. Cool. The great ending note. White liberals have a savior complex. Woo! Woo! And they admit to it. I mean, at least I can respect the fact that they they accept it. Well, I gotta say, this is a shock. I never expected all four of you to just come forward and admit it. But you know what? I'm happy with these results. I just think it's uh, a lot of people. A lot of, I guess, uh, people. You know, of the left, whatever, um, can kind of fall into that trap of. Uh, mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, black people as a monolith need to be saved as like, as a whole. I have no shame about it. I have a savior complex as an older brother and I will save you whether you like it or not. So, oh Lord. Well, it's definitely not because a lot of- Oh Lord, this man say he will save you whether you want it or not. That's a dangerous mentality. That's- Yeah, that's white knighting, right? Yeah, I mean, like, just, just think about how cocky uh, Stalin and Lenin and them was thinking that we have the solution and we can save the country and as long as we got to implement the communist or the socialist ideals, then we'll save everybody. And ultimately, you just ended up hurting everybody because you don't have all the solutions. And it's kind of narcissistic to think that you are the savior. Gosh. Yeah, it would require an ego bigger than the White House. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I will save you, whether you want me or not. Wow. What, what, so force, right? Yeah, what force. Lengths, what lengths are you willing to go, you know, to achieve your goal? And I, I, I don't trust that mindset. Oh, man. Mm -mm. <laughs> Most are really just exhausted of being viewed as our skin color. Because when you have this mindset that you need to save black people and we're just sitting here minding our own business and living our lives the way we want to, I don't know why it is that people feel this immense pressure to be so apologetic and just always trying to cater and coddle to black people when we sh just want to be treated like everybody else. We're equal for a reason. No, 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 no. Okay. I can agree with him from his perspective, but a lot of black people want special treatment. I'm just going to admit it. The, the, the Black Lives Matter activists and the people going out there, look, some of them are genuine. But there are a lot of them who want special treatment. They want to be able to say racist things to white people and not white people to say racist things back to them. They want second, you know, uh, they want a, a double standard. They they want to be able to say the N-word. They don't want anybody else to be able to say the N-word. They want special privileges. I know this for a fact. Uh, it's just so happened that the, the people who consider themselves black conservatives don't necessarily argue that. But there are a lot of black people who want to be treated differently recently with a lot of riot stuff that's gone on or protest stuff that's gone on people on the left tend to infantilize a lot of different types of protesters and especially even talking to you know some of the other black content creators mm -hmm. I do content with 
when you hear oh, a lot man. of progressives come out and say, well, they don't have a choice but to riot or break into the store or, well, they're stealing, you know, these electronics or shoes for good reasons, you just uh -huh. don't realize it. I think a lot of people kind of look both ways and it's a little bit weird that there's such a complex on the left to excuse like every single possible negative behavior from somebody as long as they're a skin color that you're kind of in charge of protecting. I find that is extremely right. And I appreciate Destiny. Like, even though I don't disagree uh, with Destiny, every take on every political issue, but boy, I admit when he says something that is just right on the money, there is a major vibe going on amongst liberals to where it's like anytime black people do something that is unacceptable and should never be justified, they find a way to excuse it or try to make it seem as if, oh, it's not their fault. It's all these other situations that's causing this. Bro, nothing about racism or systemic racism or past oppression makes a person do horrendous things to their own neighborhood and kill other black people because of gang violence or sell drugs to their own people. None of that stuff. And it's just so crazy on how so many liberals are willing to just excuse away behaviors that a lot of black people are in charge of. Have you ever noticed that only with the black culture does it matter the circumstance, the history, mm -hmm. or the situation. Exactly. They never make those excuses for white people. Oh, you just gotta ever. you just gotta understand that they come from a people who who had things a certain way, so they feel entitled and it's not their fault. It, 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 like they never make those excuses. White people are always responsible for the way they're acting now and never influenced by the things that came before them. You can't have it both ways. That's it. I find that very offensive. Yeah. I, I find it's it extremely. Really I, I, it is offensive. It upsets me um, to hear that because um, we're just like you. We just have a, a different skin color. And to hear that you have to, you have to help me is offensive to me. I can do, my, I can do it on my own. Well, we have to break down sometimes why these riots happen. You know, oh, I know Kevin said that riots are the voice of the unheard. So <laughs> if you are to address the problem and stop the riots, you have to address the underlying inequality that has historically been pervasive. You know, even if... Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that he's willing to grant that same argument to the people on January 6th? No. Not and, at and all. That, and that's literally what I was going to say, because it's like, look, you know, back in the day, some of these statements that people like to tout off nowadays, they take out of context and say. So, for example, the riots that we saw from BLM, from January 6th, the Charlotte's riot, all of them, right? Mm -hmm. How many people there were bad actors? Exactly, right? That's not the unheard people. That's not the silent majority that he's speaking of. Yeah, he's not going to sit here and say, well, we need to get to the root and understand the underlying reason of why these people are acting the way they act. In no world would he do that. No, it's a double standard. And uh, I mean, I'm not saying that that that's uh, exclusive to liberals. I see conservatives do the double standards all the time. Like they'll beat up on the girl who talks about climate change. And like, why are they bringing this kid up here to talk about these issues? And we don't need a kid to weigh in on political issues and things of that sort. But I mean, just recently, we seen Bishop Perry and Candace on interviewing some kid who made a political statement in class against his teacher trying to force him not to wear a certain shirt or something of that sort. Yeah, uh, the kid did what he did, but we don't have to sit here and try to prop up this kid as being some kind of political statement or anything of that sort. So, Well, he's a kid, right? Yeah, he's a kid. You know, uh, either you... I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. What I'm saying is either you're against having kids 
being at the forefront of political issues to prop up one person's side, but you're not for it when it comes to the other person's side. Like you got to pick a lane. Either you, either you support kids being out on the front line talking about political issues or you don't. It doesn't I just think kids. I think kids have a place in, in our culture. Right. And the place in the culture is to go out there and benefit from all the things that us adults have to put up with for their benefit. Cause they are the future. Yeah. And when we make them, the young ones, the youth, be the ones in charge making these big decisions with all these opinions. We're robbing them of that youth. Exactly. We're stealing their innocence. Exactly. I would never, ever, ever go out of my way to try to get some kid on my channel so that they can make my side or my issue look good. Because, no, I'm sad that this kid had to go through whatever issue they went through. But I would hope that I wouldn't increase their political awareness by dragging them into the issue even more and trying to score points for it. I just, I just don't see the double standard there. Like it's, it's the that's same. What the, that's what the LGBT community did that turned me off to them was yeah. all the indoctrination of the kids with like the Paw Patrol, like, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff that was happening. Right. Like, yeah. That, uh, what they say, uh, Hitler was the one that said, you know, give me the kid. I'll give you, I, I give you the man or something like that. Give me the boy. I'll give you the man or something. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and that, that's exactly what it is. Uh, I think it also says something that thousands were arrested for the summer protests and the left by large isn't complaining about them being arrested for their crimes. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and think about uh, think about this. And this is another example where LeBron started making eight statements about politics. Everybody told him to shut up and dribble. And everybody right. We don't care about it, what a basketball player has to say about politics. That was mainly coming from the conservative side. But the moment Kanye West started making political statements about politics and Donald Trump and all that, they embraced him. They brought him in. They started putting him on their shoulders and started, you know, talking about how great it was that Kanye West was speaking about these political issues. I mean, like, you can't have it both ways. Which one is it? You know, uh, and the left will do it too. They'll they'll say, "Oh, Kanye West is crazy, and he should he he's not qualified to talk about these things." But LeBron, we want to hear what you have to say, and we want all these celebrities to go out on these shows and push our political agenda. It's like you can't have it both ways. But I don't really think that a lot of these people see exactly what they're doing. You know, uh, but let's get back to the video. Uh, you know, Paw Patrol was uh, was the police dog. Yeah, we are, we almost done with it. You as individual people are doing fine, and you don't want anybody else to uh, get in the way of that. That's cool, and I'm not going to get it. I'm I'm not going to be the one to get in the way. But the the disparities are undeniable. So if you take pride in having like a white savior complex, what is it that you think that you're doing to save black people, and what is it that you think that you're saving black well, people from? I am trying to make the world a better place through whatever means I can. And but you're doing it on the backs of. You're so specific, I, I, man. I, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, I I actually do. I feel like like you want to be a savior for, and you're using me to make yourself feel good. That's, no. That's what How I'm How am hearing. I hurting you? You're, you're not letting me have my own voice. You're not letting me speak. How? You're speaking now? No. You're cutting I, her off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I have to. Yeah. Well, what's like happening, I mean, you're speaking right now. You See, this is why you need people who are trained to talk about political issues. Because one thing that I realized that this guy has done repeatedly is ask people to be specific. They, he always asked them to tell them something specific or give examples. Nobody has ever put him in a hot seat and say, okay, give me specific examples on how you're doing this or how you plan on accomplishing what you say you're doing. They keep missing the opportunity. But all he wants them to do is clarify, clarify, clarify. But nobody ever asked him to clarify. And I think they're missing the opportunity because he's so opinionated. And I would think that Destiny would be the one dominating this conversation. But Destiny is pretty chill and laid back. And I, I mean, Destiny tries to match the vibe of the room. But, yeah. 
speaking right now in this particular setting, mm -hmm. but what you're saying is, like, um, you, you, you took it back <laughs> to riots and so forth, and it makes it seem like the only way... Hold on, hold on. David say, uh, but the, the LeBron love Hitler. <laughs> now, look, I, I don't want to get in trouble when I talk about this, right? But I think that people gave Kanye too much heat for that. But I think he should have, des he deserved to get heat for what he said about the Hitler situation. By no means. But I don't think Kanye West mean that he loved what Hitler did or he loved what Hitler stood for. Kanye, in his own twisted way, would say, I'm a Christian. I love everybody. And it came out so screwed up. And he should have known better because his mental illness or whatever he had going on at the time of being provocative, he just let it all out. And he didn't think about how he could best phrase that. But he deserves some heat. But that 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 I think people probably shouldn't have given him as much heat as they did. But I'm not even finna go into that because I know that's crazy territory. For real though, I think most sports people are the worst on political issues. We already know you chose a career that doesn't require critical thinking and complex issues. Exactly. Like I, if if I became a millionaire because I played basketball really good, I'm I'm not finna get in the mix of this political stuff. I'm just going to use the money that I made to support the cause that I support, and I'm going to stay out of it. Because that's doing more than actually getting in the heat of things. You know? So so my kind of thing, you know, when it comes to, you know, whether people are listening to LeBron or whether they're listening to Kanye or whether they're listening to, like, you or me or anybody, anybody for that matter, it don't matter your wealth, your position in the world, none of that. An opinion is an opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and I think our culture, we're... we're we sit here and we listen to people's opinion, and then we criticize them at end, right? Like, we'll, we'll go on for days and days criticizing them, telling them how they're wrong, but we're not offering any actual solutions. Exactly. And it's one thing to say, okay, I, it's, it's crazy. I don't know where the joy comes from that people get from tearing other people down, but... Attention, engagement. Yeah, and it, What they're trying to do. Yeah, and it feeds this this idea of like, look how good I am. Look how great I am that I'm taking it to this person because I'm better than they are. I can't believe they're so despicable. And it's like, bro, get out, smell the flowers, you know, you know, enjoy the sunshine. Get off social media and stop thinking that your opinion is the most valid thing in the world. Uh, it, we got to somehow find a way to decouple ourselves from social media to the point where it becomes detrimental to our lives. Social media is not the most important thing in our daily lives. And I've had to do that myself. I've decoupled myself from social media majorly. And it's been great for me. It's allowed me to focus more on writing and working on things that I enjoy. And I just think that uh, if you are somebody that's addicted to social media, and I'm not talking about like Discord or something like that. Discord is more of a community. It's where you go to like engage with people of like-minded in a community that you can challenge each other and play games together, watch movies together, all that stuff. But if you're somebody who sits on Twitter all day or currently X, you know, you might want to rethink how you could better spend your time. Yeah. Way that we as black people can voice our, have a voice is by rights. And then you need to come along and you need to say, okay, poor little black child, let me help you. Let me help you. That's offensive to me. And, and, mm -hmm. and I feel like you're making yourself feel good about trying to tame help us. And it
I also think that, like, when we talk about damage, I think especially when it comes to a lot of the shoplifting stuff that's going on in certain cities, you get a lot of white people that live in nice suburbs saying things like, shoplifting is no big deal, that's fine. And then you'll catch YouTube videos of them later on being in a Walgreens in, like, a shoddy neighborhood, and they're like, man, <laughs> why is the deodorant behind a locked case? It's very easy to sit behind a gated community and say, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh -huh. you know? um, they, they steal because they have to. Riots are the language of the unheard. I think people haven't read the full context of that quote. When MLK was saying riots were the language of the unheard, and you need to address the underlying condition. He wasn't condoning the rioting. He was just understanding it. Obviously, there are a bunch of exactly. white people that um, feel they need to be a savior, so, but I think there's a difference. So I have something to there. say on, on, on the fact that they keep trying to use Martin Luther King. It's something I've seen over the past four or five years, right? Like, yeah. people will take Martin Luther King quotes and they'll take them out of context, but this is one you'll never hear, right? Mm -hmm. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's the most important, in my opinion, one. Because it shows that, like, while on one hand we may understand an issue, a topic, a political policy, a preference, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's through the love, right, that that you have for this perspective that someone has that's different from you as to where we grow and unify as a people. Whereas everybody right now, regardless of their statue in the world, wants to divide. Right. It's this party or that party, this color, or that color, this wealth gap It's this national difference, you know, zip code or whatever. It's like human beings are human beings. And I'll always see it that way. And the, the longer that we sit here and we say, hey, you know, these people are undervalued. These people are overvalued in whatever way. Mm -hmm. It's like you're always taking away from somebody to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And I think that. It's funny how when you, you ever engage with somebody one-on-one -on -one versus like engaging with people when there are spectators or people watching and how they behave differently. Uh, I think that a lot of people just are not being them true selves and they can admit the same thing that you just said, but you probably have to separate them from the, the crowd in order for them to get to admit that. And uh, I don't know how to fix that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I really don't. But... Uh, yeah, let's get to it. Ugh. Saving, like, I don't think I would need to save black people, but I would tremendously love to help and um, make sure everyone has, like, uh, equal outcome, or not equal outcome, but at least equal opportunity, which, in my opinion, I feel we do not have in this country. Most of what they always advocate for is something that they don't have to do personally. If you want to help black people, go to their neighborhoods, hand out some cash, buy some food, pick people up, take them to the store, Make sure they got go, the... Yeah, it's like go on a Saturday, you know, do the block party. Exactly. Go cook for everybody. That's, that's what we do here. Exactly. If you want to help, get out there and help. Like, why are you waiting for the government? Why are you waiting for... Like, look, I'm not saying that there are things that the government, only the government can do, but I'm saying there are things you can do personally right now that you're not doing, but you're claiming to say that you want to help these people. I just... It's, it's hard to buy. Like, okay, why are you waiting for the government to do what you think they should do? Get out there and do the things you can. And it's just not happening. I'm not saying that no liberals actually get out in communities and help, but a lot of these these people don't actually go to the places where they are needed most. Yeah, most of them just virtue signal, right? And try mm -hmm. to get clout and engagement. Mm-hmm, pretty much. And, you know, I, I've had... Uh, I had white people tell me that I'm a self-hater or that I'm somehow hurting the black community or whatever the case may be. But like, I spend time in the hood. I, I talk to youth. I, I, I go in the trenches where 
a person could shoot me down for having a different opinion. And I say things. I go to the barbershops and I have heated debates with the people who think a different way than me. And we try to hash out some of these ideas because I, I, I actually care. I'm there. You know, I yeah. put myself in harm's way all the time to say things that I know aren't popular where I'm at. So don't ever tell me that I'm I'm somehow hating my own people or no, 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 no. Don't don't get it twisted. I'm not a keyboard warrior. Everything that I'm talking about on camera right now, I say in real life, you know, and I don't have millions of dollars to hire security and to make sure that I never have to work for somebody else. I take risks by saying some of the things that I say, you know, so I do care. Yeah. This is awkward. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, so I didn't step forward just because I don't want to uh, broad brush all white liberals as having a white savior complex. I have experienced white liberals who do have that, and um, they're very unpleasant people. <laughs> but I don't think every single white person who's a liberal or who is an activist for BLM or any of those things necessarily has a white savior complex. I think that there's a lot of white people who genuinely think that black people are oppressed and they want to help and that's what they're told. What it seems like to me when most people have savior complex regardless of who, whom they're trying to save, it's like they're taking real pain and real trauma and using that as a way to push this political agenda but also to alleviate themselves of whatever guilt that they feel unnecessarily. Like yeah, you know one thing that I always find weird is like, oh, black people are oppressed, therefore we should have socialism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that, bro. I, like, I don't see any white liberals taking money out of their paycheck and sending it to the hood. I ain't seen that ever. Yeah, that, that, that's always the crazy idea. I'm like, bro, how do we get here from like black people need help to we should implement socialism and we should, uh, you know, just just some of the things that people say is just like that has nothing to do with helping black people. That's just something that you trying to shove in by using black people as an avenue to get there. I'll be like, man, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I don't know why a white person today would feel guilty for things that happened decades ago, let alone something that happened centuries ago. I've never seen a white person say, I personally feel guilty for slavery. I Maybe they're out that. there, but th I've never heard that. Yeah, our, in second grade, when they taught us about slavery, almost every kid in my classroom would spend their entire time looking at black kids in that classroom. Oh, okay. How was I supposed to not think, wow, these people are feeling guilty for something that they have no involvement in and I have no involvement in? Every kid in, in my classroom grade. understood the context. People so. hate feeling uncomfortable, and obviously you don't want to feel like the bad guy, and so I feel like it comes from a place of like, oh, well, like, let me make sure that I'm different and like I'm showing you that I want to like I think I should go on Jubilee y'all I'll be down for it <laughs> hell yeah uh I think uh I should go on Jubilee uh and fucking I don't know which issue that I would be welcome for uh I I'd probably be most impactful in a conversation like this or uh probably something dealing with race I think I I probably have the most input on but I I think Jubilee is located out in California, something like that. So I would have to travel there. First, I have to get them to invite me, and then I have to travel there. Uh, that's one thing I was always curious about with Jubilee. Like, where, where are they getting the people from? Because, like, depending on where you live in the U.S., views will drastically change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the needs of people in the country are definitely different than the needs of people in the city. Yeah, David said he's sure I could get on. Maybe I have to contact them personally. Uh, I know that the people I talked to that's been on Jubilee said that either Jubilee contacted them and then they had to submit, uh, like uh, they had to do like an interview or something of that sort, or like submit some kind of video or whatever the case may be to, and then they would pan pick the people they wanted to come on. So I think multiple people try to 
get on and then they choose from that group of people. I think I would definitely be able to get on. Uh, not traveling to California. I think it's located in California. At least that's what I've been told. But uh, California is a long way from where I am. And I don't know if I'd be able to fly all the way out there. I don't know. Do they pay the people that come on Jubilee? Do they get like a cut of the... I doubt it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't have the funds to just be jumping out. Maybe it would be worth it if I saw some kind of benefit coming from it. But... I don't have the funds to just be traveling to California for videos and shit like that, unless I'm already in the area. <laughs> but if the opportunity came my way, I would heavily consider it and I would do everything I could to do it if I could. Yeah. Help you, but it comes across like, I think it can land very poorly. I'll tell you what, stop it. Stop okay. it. Because what happens is when you put yourself as the white savior, what you do is you elevate yourself above the black person because yep. you feel then like you mm -hmm. have to save us. So just stop it. Just treat everybody regularly. Which means you don't see them like, equal. If, just like I would treat. Exactly. exactly. And that's and that's why I disagree with BLM, because I'd have to agree that black people aren't equal in order to follow a movement like that. Yeah. And I just it doesn't align with me, you know. Yeah, I think that uh, if Black Lives Matter would have done this, if they said that our organization is to stand up for the people who have been wrongly killed or wrongfully convicted for something they didn't do, I'd be 100% in favor of that. Even if they were doing that for white people or Mexicans or anybody who didn't fall under the black umbrella, and they were actually trying to help people from being wrongfully persecuted or killed by the police, I'm with it. But then you start getting issues where like the police did the right thing, and yet People are out protesting and arguing and debating about that. And I'm like, you can't distinguish between people who deserve what they got versus the people who didn't deserve what they got. And I know it's hard. You got hundreds of thousands of people all fighting for something and people are going to come in with their own ideas. People coming to a movement, start changing it. And I'm just talking about the people on the ground. I'm not talking about the Black Lives Matter organization. Those people are corrupt. We know that for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but the people on the ground, it's just so many different ideas trying to mobilize behind one movement, and it just turns everything sour. We saw that with the atheist movement, where it became atheist plus, and everybody started splintering off, and everybody had different ideas. I'm like, bro, this is just a bunch of people who don't believe in God or lack of belief in God. Why are y'all trying to get all this shoehorned into one movement? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, That's also something that makes sense to me. It's like, you know, we're a nation that even on our money, it says in God we trust, right? Yeah. Regardless of what, like, whatever religion or ideology spiritually that you might subscribe to, right? Like, the nation was built on the concept of the morality of the Bible, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, you know, we got some things right. We got some things wrong. We got a lot of things wrong. Let's just be <laughs> fair, you know? Um <laughs> But where we're at in 2023, it's like we have the ability to fix a lot of these things and people are too busy talking about the past instead of the mm -hmm. future. Yeah. And people have the habit of trying to own all the good and reject all the bad. Like if if you want to say like the people made the argument like, OK, this is a Christian nation. OK, let's say it's a Christian nation. You got to own slavery then. You 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 can't yeah. you can't say it's a Christian nation. And then when we bring up slavery, then it's all well that that had nothing to do with Christian. You got to own that, man. You you said that this was a Christian nation, that this country was founded on Christian values. And when those when the country was founded, there was slavery and that was the values of the time. So you cannot run away from that. Own that shit. But like it's hard to get people to t accept. That's why you got the devil, because God gets the credit and the devil gets the blame. And it's just 
I don't know if it's something we inhabited through evolution that somehow always try to justify why things are the way they are and never put ourselves as being the person that's the cause of the problem. I, I just don't know how to fix it. But hell, I'm ta I'm, sp I'm preaching to the quiet. This most of my viewers probably already know all this. So, you know. Treat you regular normal. You treat us regular normal rather than trying to save yeah, us. No, I, I just got one thing I wanted to bring up earlier about taxes because you were saying that you don't. You, you had your job and you were talking about how like you get the tax every, every time and you're like seeing your tax go up. I worked in nursing homes in 2020 COVID. The last thing that was on my mind when I watched 60 and 70 year olds on their deathbeds suffocating to death was taxes. I was worried about healthcare. I didn't give a shit about taxes in that time. So, but I would ask why he spent his time watching that. I would ask him now. I would ask him, why did you spend your time watching that kind of content on the internet? If you don't like it that much, why did you spend that much time doing things that you do not like? Looking at things in the world that you do not like. <laughs> Instead of taking the time to make or create things that you do like. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that uh, this is a hard thing for people to do, but you got to try your best to leave your emotions out of policy. Uh, and I think a, a lot of people have a hard time with that. And look, I get emotional about certain things that really impact me. But I know that when you're trying to make an argument about whether we should raise taxes, lower taxes, or we should have health care for everybody, you got to kind of try to remove yourself emotionally from the situation because, for one, people can dismiss what you're saying because you're emotional. And for two, your emotions can cloud your judgment. Just because you are emotionally attached to something doesn't mean that you're offering the right solution to fix it. And, you know... Uh, yeah, people, yeah, just like you said, like, why people spend so much time engaging with things that mentally and emotionally drain them or make them feel bad instead of actually going out and being productive and trying to change the things that they can? Yeah, because, like, think about it, right? Like, think about all the videos that's been created over the past three years, all the time, editing, shooting, coming up with a concept, the bullet points, like, all these things, right, mm -hmm. that people put in all this massive effort to do for their own benefit, right? To grow their brand, their channel, whatever yeah. it is. But then they'll sit around and they'll complain that, oh, well, we don't have this in the world. Or we don't have that in the world. It's like, if you had to put in half the energy you did into yourself, you would have that in the world. And then the children of tomorrow mm -hmm. would be able to benefit from that. Mm -hmm. That's actual progress. Yeah. It's like Kenneth said, I pay higher taxes by choice where I live because it pays for the school my kids go to. I will move in else. I will move elsewhere after they graduate. I'd rather my kids be educated than save on tax. So, yeah, that nobody ever argues about the fact that you can pay more taxes. You know, that's a choice. Yeah, yeah, and the biggest companies get tax free. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I'm really curious to take a survey and ask how many liberals pay more taxes just by choice. You know what I mean? Like, and conservatives. Well, I know conservative conservatives are not for forced tax, but I, I'm pretty sure there are conservatives who probably would pay more taxes or should pay more taxes or want to pay more taxes. If you're a conservative and you believe in low taxes. If you still think that your taxes are going towards something good, you should pay more taxes by choice. Uh, and taxes is where I end up on the libertarian side of things because I think taxes is robbery. I think the idea that every dollar somebody makes is owned by the government, they have a right to put their hand in your pocket on everything you make. I think that's what created America while we left Great Britain. If you look at history, right? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a lot of things around that, but yet today we welcome it and yeah. wonder what happened to the morals of America. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, I, 
boy, it, it's, it's, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. And so many people will kick the giant, spit on the giant, <laughs> and don't even realize you wouldn't be where you're at today without it. You know? That's it. Be grateful, you know? Yeah, That's yeah. what I see. That's what I want to fix. I see, I see you once again <laughs> elevating yourself above the rest of us, and, and particularly at me, a white man elevating himself above a black person. I'm that's he what, called that's, me a bootlicker. That's, sorry. That's, that's what, he that's called me a bootlicker. Oh, no, I what, triggered what them I all. Hope, I'm sorry. I, I'm oh, sorry. I'm, not okay. I'm chilling. Okay. But so what I hope comes oh, out I'm of this chilling. conversation is that we're all Americans, and because we're all Americans, we <laughs> and actually, we, we know that America has a bunch of problems, and I think every person here wants to solve the problems, and I think everybody is bringing what they have to the table with their ideas on how to get us to unify. This kind of stuff, eh, right? But you got something in there. Hopefully, I mean, I'm gonna give you the benefit, benefit of the doubt that you have something in there that's redeeming about you that would bring wow. all of Americans together. So I hope that we end on the note of American. You and I, T. Human. I, I would like to say we're all made in the image of God. Exactly. And so we're all have our inerrant worth just because we're made in his image and we should treat each other as Bro, if Destiny don't say nothing about that, this is not Destiny. This is the clone, bro. This is the clone. That can't be <laughs> Destiny right now, bro. Like, he's been so... Look, I'm not saying that Destiny is the type of person that just goes hard all the time. He he has his chill moments, and he, he matches the energy in the room. But I, I still expected him to weigh in heavily more or to, you know, but... At the same time, they probably told everybody, hey, look, it's only so amount of back and forth we're going to allow. So try to keep things, you know, more on the middle ground, you know. Shoot. Well, it's like I do like the older black lady and yeah. her opinion on on how how a lot of liberals and, and I feel like it's with the left in general, not just liberals, but just personally, I feel like it's a lot of the left. They always do the grandstanding, right, where they'll talk down to people. Yeah. 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 I wish that more of the even-tempered liberals that I know had more of a platform. I wish I had yeah. more of a platform. I, look, uh, controversy sells, outrage sells. I've been tempted by it. You know how many times I've been sitting back frustrated trying to figure out the YouTube algorithm so that my video can reach more people. And sometimes I made videos that I thought was bad idea because I didn't like the title was too clickbaity or the subject was too controversial. I don't feel like I should have to do that in order to get people to engage. But I mean, if you're being realistic, that's what people want. And uh, it's what sells. It's what sells. And uh, yeah. I, I have to ask myself the question, like, could I live with myself by being that type of person? And I've already accepted the fact that I can't. I can't be the type of person to do anything for a dollar dollar bill. I just can't. Nope. Uh, My soul is worth more than that. Damn right. <laughs> fellow image bearers, not just by the color of our skin. I mean, as Martin Luther King said. He also yeah. did not like capitalism. I think something that's really <laughs> challenging, um, I've definitely been guilty in the past of throwing around the Uncle Tom word. Uh, I used to be hardcore progressive. I'm still relatively progressive. But something that I've learned as time has gone on is being a white person isolates you from a lot of the different types of racial struggles that people go through. And those struggles can take a lot of different forms. Not <laughs> that's that's not true. As as a white guy, let me just say I've been beaten down by black people because I'm white. Like it is legitimately happened. I've taken a brick to the face. This and that. So so I understand a lot of the struggles that black people talk about from the white perspective, from a white life mm -hmm. in this world, mm -hmm. in the South. Yeah. Okay. So I highly disagree with what he just said. Yeah, man. It's just amazing how many white people I've met that either have similar stories to me or can relate to me on from so many different levels. Uh, 
And sometimes you don't have to go through something personally to understand, to, to be able to see it from another person's perspective. Uh, I mean, like I said, I don't agree with Destiny on everything. But I think right now he's trying to be more of a unifying voice. Yeah. Yeah. Not just, you know, was my ancestor a slave and not just is my culture bad, but sometimes in the way that, you know, people grow and develop, right? Like, um, am I actually choosing these political beliefs because they mean something to me or is it because I'm black or my parents are black? Uh, if I speak a certain way, am I betraying my race? If I am a political orientation, am I a bootlicker? And I think that it's important <laughs> when you're coming from a progressive point of view to understand that even though there are conservatives that are black people, it's you have to treat them as individuals and not just come at it with this, like, you're black, you're a conservative, therefore here's like six or seven different slurs that I can use against you, but they're approved because it happened to be on the progressive side. This is the uh, war. So I, I would literally say that, that that's morals, right? Like, that, that has nothing to do with progressive. That has to do with like parents raising their kids to not look at people's race. Like I have mixed kids. And if I ask them, you know, what does your bus driver look like at school? The last thing they tell me is their race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the least most important thing about the person. It really is. It really is. And I can't stress that enough. Like your race is probably the last, it, it might not even make the list of things that I care about people. I, I just, it just doesn't interest me at all. And uh, I just need more and more people. There, there are a group of people out there who thinks being colorblind is actually harmful. And I just can't accept that. I have to believe that I, yeah, I have to believe that I can connect with other people who don't share my skin color, see them as human beings and find out exactly what we have in common. And, what values we share, what you think, what's on what your brain is probably the most important thing about you. What you think your ideas says more about what type of person you are than your skin color. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a good way to leave that video there. Uh, I really jumped on so we could have this uh, conversation on this uh, video and I hope everybody enjoyed it. If y'all ain't hit the like button, please hit the like button. Uh, you know, if y'all enjoyed this conversation, you think somebody benefit from it. Go ahead and, you know, share this video to any social media that you might have. Uh, I'm going to keep grinding. I'm doing more live streams and putting out more videos. I'm sorry, y'all. I'll be so bad at this. <laughs> but uh, I need a place for us to hang out and chill. If you are not part of the Discord, please go join the Discord if you want to join the conversation like my boy Fluffy is right now. And uh, get involved in the conversation. I got memberships on the channel. I'm doing more for my members coming up. So stick around for that. It also supports the show. Look. I barely make any money off of these things. So anything that you can do to help, it really goes a long way. Uh, Fluffy, anything you want to say before I, uh, we, we shut things down? Man, just my hashtag love of everything. People need more love in their life and worry a lot less about the shit that goes on in this world. Because the stuff that goes on in this world, most people have no control over. But the love you give to the people around you, you have full control over and you should take responsibility for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you, brother, for coming on, man. Thank you so for much sure. for the wisdom. Love over everything, like my boy Fluffy said. And also, just to let y'all know, my Javier Javier show is on podcast on Spotify. You got it on uh, Google Podcasts and many of different places you can hear podcasts. So definitely go check it out. The link is in the description below. The link is also on my YouTube channel. Go over there and follow me on uh, Spotify. And, you know, you can get all the podcasts. Sometimes the podcasts come out early so you can catch some of my shows. Thank y'all so much for listening. Thank y'all so much for watching. Peace and glory, everybody. Be peaceful and be great. Until next time, y'all, I'm out. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed the video, subscribe for more.
If you would like to get access to exclusive content, consider becoming a member or a patron at patreon.com slash the Hobby Lobby. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Hobby Lobby Discord. You can find all the links in the description below.